This week's episode of Watch Out for Fireballs is about Master of Orion 2, and it's brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up for a free trial of their service, and you'll get a free audiobook of your choosing. Over 100,000 titles to choose from, any number of which would be pretty fun to listen to while you're destroying planets, by going to audibletrial.com slash watchoutforfireballs. We'll be back to talk about Master of Orion 2 after this short innovation break. Gary and Braden are friends with ideas. Future Braden Cameron. Future Gary Butterfield here. Hey, Braden. Hey, Gary. What's happening? Uh, nothing. I was calling up my old business partner, feeling reflective. You know, it's been a couple space years. You know, and, it, and I, I think that anybody who looked at us would, would think that we accomplished a lot. We got pizza panties. Ego pal. Business and pleasure swords. The crustodian. And then, you know, the reason why we're still around, the, the Mr. Immortal Innovator Immortality Project. Well, let's say it together, buddy. My... My... Yeah, but I mean, we made other things. We had the Dauntless Guidance System. There was that book that I wrote called um, The Space Game, which introduced the world to Xenozycology systems uh, to yeah. pick up Alarian babes. Yeah, you, you just uh, throw throw eggs onto their planets, and then they super space seduce you. It's great. Um, so we, we've had so many you know technologies that we've made. You know, I, I look at pitch industries, and I think, I want to be a master of Orion 2, but it's so complicated. Back in the old days, we used to have something like called a catalog that we, we would use for something like that. And we, and we had help, you know? Like, we, we had people to help kind of spread the word, you know, like uh, Rams Hammersley, uh, Sandman. You know? No, but those guys were, like, repulsive. No, I mean, if, if you take a more tolerant look at it. Come on, Braden. Okay, well, uh, check out this biomorphic fungi, Gene Teenman. Ugh. Ugh. I know, but I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't always bad, though. It wasn't always, you know, murderers and, and Gene Teeman. It's like, there's that one guy, the singer. Like, I can't, I can't remember his name. Josh Groban. Yeah, John Goodman. Josh Groban. No, it wasn't John Goodman. I think he was uh, some kind of royalty. I think he was um, like a king somewhere. I'm thinking yeah. of um, Joe Gorbity. Is that it? Josh Groban. George Gorbin? It was I, Josh Groban. Josh, Josh Groban? Remember, guys, I was uploaded to a disc via sentient instant messaging program. It's really cool. Groban X9000? Braden, he must have been uploaded before Portland Heat. He's not mad at us. He's still our buddy. Gary, there's something you should know. I heard you guys were in trouble, and I thought I'd help out the only way I know how. When you got food you want to eat later, nothing's like a fleet of freighters. You don't want your missiles to miss them, so go get our dauntless guidance system. Shh, don't use those death spores. My name's Josh Grobnats, and I'm ready to collect all my contract. Gary, I forgot to tell you, I hired Joss Grobnox, the interstellar balladeer and warlord, to surprise you on your 1,000th birthday. That's very Happy sweet birthday. of you, but it's going to... Uh, oh, these guys. Who's this imposter? Hey, there's only one Josh Groban. Hey, get out of here, you alien pizza. Garbage. Right, no. He was uploaded before we cured space racism. You interstellar songsters trying to take my job. We should really build a space wall to keep your kind out. Am I right or what, fellas? Oh, jeez. <laughs> 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 
Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And I'm Brayden Cameron. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are talking about Master of Orion 2, The Battle at Antares, uh, which is a 4X game developed by Simtex and released by Microprose for the PC in 1996. This game was suggested by our host, network co-star, and uh, Kickstarter backer, Brayden Cameron. Thanks so much for joining us, Brayden. I'm also your friend. Yes, this is God. true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a hierarchy, uh, it's... Business before pleasure, yeah, all right, all right. Cameron. <laughs> you, for- you forgot the first rule, damn it. <laughs> the first rule, noids don't have sex with doodles. <laughs> they don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, had, you had one job. Don't fuck this lady. <laughs> Listen to that dress up for you, fellas. Holes. <laughs> I tripped and fell. It's not my fault. Uh, oh, yeah. That won't make any sense. That's just elaborate cross-promotion for abject suffering. That won't make sense unless you listen to abject suffering. Okay, usually cross-promotion, we say stuff that isn't just horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anywho, thank you, Brayton, yes, <laughs> for joining you. us. And also, a heartfelt thank you for suggesting it. Yeah. Because I have played this game before, but not ton- I haven't spent tons of time with it. And now I've spent a ridiculous amount of time. <laughs> and it's all I can think about. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really fun. And uh, I just want to play it more and more. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I, it was kind of like a real challenge for me. I wanted to pick a game that wasn't going to be terrifying. And also not something that was like just a platformer for you guys to play and try out. Yeah, no, this is this like scratches a particular itch I've always kind of known I had, uh, which is, you know, for like systems building and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I never found a really good way to scratch it. So, yeah, yeah. this is a great way to scratch it for sure, yeah. because it's a 4X really game. Indeed. For this is our first 4X game. And the, those 4Xs uh, stand for Explore, Expand, Exploit, X-Men. <laughs> or exterminate, yeah. as it were, um, which roughly correspond to the four phases of play um, that you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's notable the Master, the Master of Orion franchise inspired this terminology. So uh, it's used in the review of the very first game of this. And mm-hmm. uh, so whenever you hear 4X in any of these modern 4X games, you have Masters of Orion to think. Yeah. Yeah, and later in the episode, we'll be doing a Cosmo slash Buzz, BuzzFeed style quiz to find out which X you really are. <laughs> Yeah, a triple X quiz on which X you are. It's funny because you you mentioned the triple X thing. That like the four X was originally brought up as a joke to say this game should be rated X X X X. For for how, <laughs> how, how the, the triple X threw down. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. And what those four X's stand for? 
as opposed to just extreme triple X. Yeah, or just the Ilarians, Ilarian on silicoid action. Uh, rock <laughs> hard. Rock, rock hard. hard. Rock hard silicoid <laughs> penetrating the Ilarian nebula. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so yeah so, so you, you guys have noticed that those quizzes are just like epidemic now right i mean they've always oh, yeah. been like stupid things but like somehow buzzfeed has added this quiz module and now everybody i can't mute fast enough yeah 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 i agree well, well, they, it's they disappeared for a long time that was like a right. big thing it's like a MySpace years ago thing. and then yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, why am I was thinking this is only just speaking of distasteful internet things. I was thinking about um, you know like the whole like not just specifically upworthy, but the upworthy kind of model, like the vaguely inspirational, you know, kind of story. Yeah, I think like there's always been fluff news pieces, but not with the same kind of proliferation. There are probably whole groups of people that this has made the internet work for. Like, can you imagine? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't you know there wasn't a huge source of that that sort of content before. There are probably people who are just you know finally like. The internet now makes sense to me, yeah. Because I, I yeah, just it's, seeing the, this kind of stuff. Like yeah. it's, I think it's all garbage. But like, there are people who just, you know, oh, I want to be like slightly inspired. You know, right. once a day. It's for people that like the website Cute Overload just didn't have enough enough depth for them. It's people yeah. who look forward to December because they can go shopping for a new page a day calendar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but there with a weird, weird, vague sense of like, you know. This will make the world better. Like the world, it's, it's like it's that kind of like the world isn't so bad. Why don't they show good news on TV? It's like that <laughs> yeah. mentality, yeah. You know, in internet form. Uh-huh. But I was just thinking about how that that's kind of a unique thing to the internet. Like there, there, there was there, but not really. And there are probably people who are just like, this is great. Yeah. Like I love, I love going online every day and feeling good about myself and good about humanity. Yeah. Because of this thing, it's people who uh, who use our daily bread as bathroom reading. Yeah. yeah, suckers. <laughs> suckers. <laughs> we should flee some guys. Let's oh, get them. Definitely. So, <laughs> we could probably do a Masters of Orion page a day calendar. Probably. You know? That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like explaining what the tech was and what a yeah. good strategy or yeah. tactic Population was. Population is power. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, like, like one year to being the Master of Orion. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just it's just going to be uh, quotes from Kunag. <laughs> <laughs> I will not forget the way you've treated us in the past. Yeah. <laughs> like what? It's January first. What past? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what is? Uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's let's get off rails quick, and that'll happen yeah. a bunch of times during the show. Yeah. Um, what is Master Ryan two? What What do you do when you're playing it? Yeah. Just bare bones. Yeah. So it is a turn based strategy game. Um, in the vein of, I would say, uh, it gives me feelings like uh, civilization you know uh it has a some similar some similar uh you know scratches similar itches um in fact uh civilization retroactively has been called a forex game i usually associate associate forex with space uh which is where this is set to mm-hmm. right like so you're sending ships out um and you're kind of in control of this civilization and your goal is to conquer the galaxy right yep yep and similar to like so we did our, our heroes of might and magic episode which was another kind of strategy game and uh, so we're not going to talk about the kind of generalities right now um this is usually where we talk about the plot there really isn't a plot to this game so we're gonna be going through the mechanics Actually, during the well i mean there is but there's not much of deep one. plot but you have oh, to like yeah. look at the character biographies and the item descriptions and then you really find <laughs> out that there's this big like cycle of samsara going on in the background <laughs> and yeah i'd say it's really like house of leaves yeah um god yeah. damn it 
Um, <laughs> what yeah. did I do? I yeah. find so I, House of Leaves every episode we've recorded for the last three years, which is done. Well, no. So. <laughs> I put myself in a situation to be outnumbered by people who know my shtick. Come on. <laughs> um, you get it. You like that book. Um, I have put a moratorium on It's a great on that book. I love that well, book. I mean, no, it's fine. I've put a moratorium on it being in the show notes. Huh, okay. Everybody knows House of Leaves. It's never going in the show notes again. Um, I'll just I'll just put it on the show in the show description. Yeah, just put it on the main page. Why not? Yeah. Just big huge letters. Yeah. 40 point font. House yeah. of Leaves. <laughs> House um, all in blue. Yeah. Yeah. But. The, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so, so we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, uh, the, the mechanics mostly as we go. And like our Heroes of Might and Magic 3 episode, Brayden's going to help us out yeah. because it's a really complex game and he knows it better than we do. Yeah. And it should be noted that I would have no idea how to approach this game if Brayden didn't send us very helpful little beginner's guides. Um, Mm -hmm. which is, which is pretty useful. And so one thing we hear from people occasionally is that they kind of play games vicariously through, through the show. And what Mm -hmm. I would say is like, you know, because there's no, there's no like spoiler. If you're listening to this and you're like, huh, master of Orion, what is this kind of thing? Like, it'd be pretty cool if this was like a way to get them prepared, not like a beginner's guide or whatever, but to be like, oh, you know, here are the misconceptions that we had get them to understand it. And so like, yeah. Yeah, this could this could definitely kind of sound uh, or like kind of serve as a guide. Mm-hmm. You know what I was thinking about? Those emails Brayden sent was, were very helpful. But I found a, there's a YouTuber mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who did does a did a series called Let's Learn Masters of Orion Two. Oh, that like I wish I had seen. Like not that Brayden's emails were inadequate, but like he just kind of you actually see it and he goes through things, and he does yeah, an excellent job cool. of of right. explaining it. So I'll, I'll yeah. put that in the show notes. Like if you want to see kind of just what the game looks like. He does a very good job of explaining everything. Yeah, because it's a very uh, dense, very complex game. There's a lot to the interface. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of layers because as soon as you, like, master one idea, then there's, like, ten others that just Mm -hmm. opened up for you. Yeah, they have their hooks into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's real popular, this game, which is wonderful. Like, I'm really happy that it is. And it's the kind of the standard that sci-fi strategy games are measured against. Um, There's a sequel to it, Masters of Orion 3, but it's very poorly regarded. And uh, it's kind of, you know, it's pretty seriously vilified, like the Ultima 9, you know, kind of way. Like uh, yeah. fans of the series really hate Masters of Orion 3. Have you played that, Brayden? I have not. Uh, I've not actually played it from everything I've heard, though. It's basically just like running a space bureaucracy. So it's just like just really mundane stuff through most of the game. And that's why mm. everyone hated it. Hmm. Yeah. When you do a strategy game, like really one of the things is finding that level of zoomed in that you want like how how much micromanaging do i want to do and how much of it is can be automated and is necessary and this game hits that sweet spot yeah like really perfectly like a little bit more zoomed out i would think it was too simple a little bit more zoomed in i could see it being tedious but as is it's really compelling yeah so Mm -hmm. as it is like it it, it handles the amount of scaling that you have to do like when you move from three colonies to 15 right Mm -hmm. it kind of like it, it doesn't it doesn't lose out on any on any of that like detail and concern right mm-hmm um, it should be noted that uh, for people who want to play this, you can get it on GOG. It's part of a uh, it's part of a two set with the first Master of Orion, uh, which I haven't played, but I kind of intend to dip back into. Uh, poor timing on that. Um, but also, yeah. if you want to play it, if you're like playing it, you like, realize, hey, I'm just using the mouse a lot. Like, I wonder if there's some kind of touch interface I could use for this. There is an iOS adaptation, homage, pastiche, parody slash fair use of this game on uh, iOS called Starbase Orion. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's like eight bucks on the App Store. I downloaded it, but again, didn't get a chance to play it in kind of a time crunch. But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, that can destroy people, I think. Yeah, I, I played it for about 90 minutes before bed Yeah, last night. Like having access to this game on the bus is going to be dangerous <laughs> for me. <laughs> why, uh, why am I in Washington? Why does this route yeah. terminate in Washington? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so it's, uh, I it's, guess uh, I'm going to live here now. Yeah, I'll just start a new life. Hey guys, you guys like Master Ryan too? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys looking for looking for a Cylon scientist? Um, it's so, so it's so funny we say Cylon. <laughs> Wait a second. It, it, the, okay, so those are the those are the robots from uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica, right? Yeah, different spelling. Yeah, right? different different yeah. spelling. What are the uh, what what are the aliens from Battlefield Earth? Because I think those might be Cylons as well. Those are Psylocks. Psylocks, okay. Like the uh, like the X Men. All right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> um, you have that information really closely at hand. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Well, I've, I've I listened to a lot of uh, bad movie podcasts on okay. Battlefield Earth. Like it's a, it sounds like a real treat. Hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So let's let's talk a little bit about what Plotter is. Yeah. So, uh, long ago, there was a massive galaxy-wrenching conflict between the Orions and the Antarans. All right? The Orions ultimately won the war by sailing the Antarans away in some kind of prison dimension, and then the Orions left the galaxy because they needed to save their home planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, in the present day, the Antarans have figured out how to return to our dimension and wreak havoc on the new civilization we're setting up. Um, any race can find a way into the Antarans' dimension and destroy them will surely rule the galaxy. It's kind of a setting up an alternate wind condition. Yeah. But, and that's really it. Like, <laughs> yeah. th- there's the plot. Like, you're making space. <laughs> Make some space planets. Yeah. There we yeah. go. That's um, it. Yep. And Finn. Yep. So, I, it's, it's refreshing to see something that's, like, quite this systems-based. <laughs> like that. Um So when you, when you start a game, um, you can you have a lot of different options. Yeah. For this, there's not like a campaign mode. No. Like no. there's in Heroes of Might and Magic where like a plot would come in, and as we saw in the Heroes of Might and Magic three episode, like that was pretty underwhelming mm-hmm. for us that, that plot stuff. So the uh, this one you just every game is is just a, a pickup pickup game. Yeah, a pickup game that could possibly last fifteen hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you're um... If you're playing multiplayer, which I don't know if it still works in the new GOG version, but it's because it's turn-based, you sit there while everyone else takes their turns, <laughs> and then your screen turns back on. What, what is it so when they're it can taking be a, a turn? So when they're taking a turns, it'll be a black screen that just says, like, waiting for players to take turns. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's so it's, a space game. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can be really, really boring. I suppose, like, it would be awesome if they gave you, like, just a look at your colony screen so you could kind of see your pertinent stats. Move. Yeah, yeah. So you could see, like, okay, I'm running this kind of deficit for this kind of production. Okay, I want to make my turn. I'm going to go there. Like, just, like, making decisions that don't involve what the other person's doing. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a little advanced for, you know, 1996 or what have you. I, I believe yeah. so. And that's kind of what's awesome about, you know, these the, this crop of, like, web-based um, Forex games that mm. have cropped up. Like, um, you know, uh, what is it, Neptune's Pride? Which mm. is, which is yeah, like I've a, heard of that. I haven't played it. But it's super, super slow, isn't it? 
yeah, it's slow because it happens in real time. And so when you set when you set ships to go to a different you know state like a different uh, star system, it, it could takes take like hours. seven light years. Yeah, like, just... <laughs> light years are distance, Gary. Um, no, but it, like it'll take like hours. Distance and equals. Days. <laughs> Yeah, this distance does equal time. But yeah, so so like it does some kind of approximation. It's not like this where you just press the button to you know turn the you know to turn the ratchet one click the, right. the, like the next way. And it's primarily like it's entirely a multiplayer game that I've heard just on other podcasts like you know Idle Thumbs or you know Video Games Hot Dog that it just ruins people's friendships just because it is oh, yeah. it is based on like betraying somebody and you're you know. Like any multiplayer game, you're going to want to play it with people you know, and just like it's turned offices against each other. There's yeah. there's that board game that's like that too. Um, Nick plays it. Diplomacy um, or <laughs> Imper- Twilight Imperium is the name of it. It's like an eight hour space board game. That's a four X game. Huh. That's all about alternate wind conditions and different. You know, it's very. It sounds exactly like this, pretty much. No. Yeah, um, but that, you know, with, in with that eight hours is three hours of three hours of setup for that game there's like a million pieces to it it's insane yeah Jeez. it's it, it, i guess it does take a long time to do but it is a the game i mean even even if it was a five-hour game that's still a very long time for a board game um but i guess it's just incredibly deep um nick plays it and he's he's talked to me about it before and he said that it is very betrayal based hmm. like uh, the politics part of it is huge yeah um in this game yeah, what, do you, what are our options when we're setting up our galaxy? Yeah, so you're making choices just about um, how big your galaxy is going to be, um, the age of the galaxy, which kind of affects the uh, the color of the stars and what kind of what kind of um, uh, you know planets are going to be available planets. to you, and then uh, the technological age. So you can start out like you know pre phasers or post phasers, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I end up always having the best luck doing starting really early. Mm-hmm. Um, because I oftentimes did research based races, so starting pre warp was very useful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Number of players. Um, yeah. You can turn, and then the uh, the Antarans is a toggle, which I really <laughs> like that they give you the option to turn that off, um, because they act as this kind of weird wild card, uh, speed, you know, limiter to progress. Um, mm. They kind of act like a blue shell in, in <laughs> Mario Kart, like they attack whoever is the most ahead, and uh, they kind of punish you for kind of turtling and gaining strength without being aggressive. Um, so if you do, if you you know, if you're working on your your civilization and industry and not so much on your military um i definitely had one very like long-running game get totally wiped by the antarans because i just wasn't concentrating on keeping my guns up yeah quite enough and just couldn't you know couldn't recover from pretty you know fairly like constant attacks mm-hmm. at a certain point yeah um and they don't come from anywhere so you can't like set up a front either yeah yeah that was right. the thing too because i had kind of uh outpost worlds that were more heavily defended mm-hmm. and then my kind of interior systems and that's where they you know where they struck yeah um it's just crippling like it's very hard to recover from losing a, a planet yeah um and because and the our, way the game handles saves there's no way to like go back to before the antarans hit yeah well you can it auto saves you can go back to right before they hit but there's not enough time you maneuver yeah. too slowly yeah. so like i could build a defense and buy it for an exorbitant amount which i would do but it still wasn't enough right um, by that point in the game, like the Antarans start off kind of wussier, but eventually they get very strong. Right. Um, yeah, but even also... their, their two frigates are very powerful, like at the beginning yeah. of the game, because you don't have anything that can keep up with it. Like one battleship can get wasted by their two frigates. Yeah, you need, you need planet defenses for those. Like you need a missile base and, and uh, maybe a battle station. And I, that's how I mm-hmm. fought off frigates when I was able to do it. Um, there are random events as well. Yeah. Um, you can turn on and off. I never turned them off, but I kind of wish that I had because they never seem to benefit me and they always seem to just kind of fuck me over. 
I, I only ever benefited from them because it was kind of like, oh, you found the remnants of this old civilization and got this tech, or this this planet has, you know, deposits that, you know, you can immediately cash out. So they almost always ended up being windfalls for me. And they never happened for me. Random events. I think that's just when you ran, when you scout out planet systems. Oh, okay. So, so random no, events were like when the Galactic News Network would come on and oh, tell yeah. you about like how there was a biovirus that killed a million people on your planet or there's a space flux. They're both true. Like sometimes random events like the Galactic News Network can come on and tell you um, like a planet shifted its axis and became from rich to ultra rich. Mm -hmm. Like, so that can be a random event too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Most of the time it was just space dragons and hyperflux, you know, (laughs) problems and shit. Yeah. Um, Mine would almost always be population booms, which is good. Yeah, I just had viruses left yeah. and right, man. Huh. Like, I just, I was getting fucked over by those constantly. And everyone else, like, these wealthy investors were giving them, you know, <laughs> thousands and thousands of Bitcoins. And the, uh... <laughs> oh, well. and, and I was not, you know, getting anything. Yeah. So, I guess it's funny because the currency is BC. I never put that together. Yeah, I, I, kept, call, I kept calling them Bitcoins <laughs> the whole time. It, was, makes, it makes all the hiring really funny. Like, I must have 10 Bitcoins now and one <laughs> Bitcoin per year. <laughs> you try and hire one hero. It's like, no, I only take Doge coins. Yeah. It goes away. <laughs> the the, the Borathi. Yeah, only takes Dole, Doge yeah. coins. Yeah, the Wow the Wow Aryans. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, there, there's one toggle that makes the most difference in the way that this game plays, and I'm happy Braden Lee told me to turn it on, which is the tactical mm-hmm. combat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, the the game just kind of does a hide style combat where just two things mash against each other and there's just kind of rule, you know, some roles to determine uh, who wins. But uh, it's widely considered that the computer will not make the best decisions in your interest, like, every single time. And there is, luckily, there's an auto-combat button. So if you decide to change your mind and, you know, or you think you're, you're going to win, you can just do that in the game. You don't have to just make it a toggle for the entire game. That also um, opens up ship designing as well. Yeah. Um, which is really fun. Yeah. It actually yep, gives yep. you something to do with the text that you're researching. Yeah. And and the ships you're going to make are going to be better than the ships the computer is going to make as well. Right. The computer wants to make a jack-of-all-trade ships all the time. You know, like yeah. It wants to have missiles, beams, and guns, and bombs. And When troops. you can just make a specialized ship that does way more damage. Yeah. 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 Which, which was my, the only, you know, that's when I was successful as well. Yeah. Doing that. So definitely turn on tactical combat. Yeah. I think the other two are kind of optional, but I think technical combat is something you really want. Yeah, and like that has the biggest effect on the way the game plays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you start the game, you know, games are all about win conditions, right? And so there are three ways, really, they can come out on top. So there's military, which is just kill everybody else. That's what I got every time I won. Me too. Yeah. yeah. How do the diplomatic ones work, Brayton? Okay, well, um, after a certain amount of time, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's... 40, 50 turns, something like that, there starts to be the Galactic Council, which will show up. And um, basically, you vote on a Galactic President, and it's between the two highest populations. Um, and they, they're they the, like, elected, potential elected presidents. So, you know, it could be you and the Clackons, or you and somebody else, or it could be two different races. And then the other races that are still in the game also get to vote. And their votes uh, are tallied up by their population. So it's kind of a House of Representatives sort of thing where, you know, the person who has the lowest number of votes usually or lowest population usually only gets one or two votes. And then if someone like 
uh, the Sakura, who are the underground race, so they have a mm -hmm. doubled population, they end mm -hmm. up with like 20 votes. Uh, so whoever gets two-thirds majority becomes space president <laughs> and uh, and gets to be, you know, and wins the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I never had this happen. I had the election come up several times. God. But two you have to have two-thirds majority, which is difficult. So Yeah. Okay. It's, really, it's really easy to do um, if you get allies with most of the other races because the allies will just vote for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're playing like a, a race that has charismatic, uh, like the humans, or if you design a race that has charismatic as an ability, that makes getting alliances that much easier. And then it's, you know, it's a matter of time. Yeah. Something I would like to do, just just because I do enjoy the, the economic and diplomatic game of this more than the combat, I think, mm -hmm. just marginally, just as a temperament kind of thing. I would love to make like a game. So, you know, the, the, the biggest galaxy size start at the oldest you know, galaxy age, or sorry, the, the youngest galaxy age and uh, the, the most primitive tech, and then try and work my way up to getting that uh, diplomatic victory. Just like turn by turn over the course of like a month or so. Yeah. It's difficult to, um, the computer acts in a weird way when you are, um, when you're trying to concentrate on diplomacy though. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, if you don't have a, the computer looks at your military presence and, the other races will kind of dogpile on you mm -hmm. if you don't look tough. So, like, I've tried to do not like quite a pacifist, but like games I, you know, when and, and I've probably completed four games of this, mm -hmm. you know, but tried like several, like, had tons of false starts where I like died halfway through or or just gave up. Mm -hmm. um, but when I've tried to really concentrate on just making friends with people and uh, didn't build up a ship, I would get betrayed or spied against pretty continuously. Mm -hmm. um, so, there's a, there is a deterrent kind of issue so i think that like even and things i've read online support this i don't know if it's necessarily true but getting that diplomatic victory tends to be at least partially militaristic as well right um you, know, you end up conquering some races or just uh you know going to war with people in order to make allies right because that's a that's a huge way to boost your uh your friendship rating or what have you mm -hmm. is to right. go to war with, and a, with a group typically when uh, another alien race asks you to be their ally it's because within five turns they're going to go to war with someone and demand <laughs> that you cope with them yeah yeah yep and that, that's that's frustrating because it's like you know you and if you say no it's a huge swing in the other direction right so yeah you can always say yes and never do anything that's <laughs> yeah like if you're yeah. powerful enough to just sit there then then it's okay yeah yeah mm -hmm. yep um, and then you can also defeat the antarans which i never did um, because I only played one game with the Antarans on and, and got really stomped by them. But uh, you can everyone every race can build, no matter what your tech level, can build a dimensional portal and then uh, try and go, go to the Antaran homeworld and take them out. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. is that is that just like um, the planetary combat screen, except it's in another dimension? Or Yeah, well, it cuts right to, yeah, the basic combat screen, um, and it's you versus, you know, 15 Antaran ships. Uh, so you'll pick the fleet, and then the, if the fleet is on a planet that has a, a dimensional portal, the option of attack the Antarans is there. Mm -hmm. uh, so it'll, it'll cut to that planetary combat, and then you just fight for a while, and they have a big old giant star fortress there. And, yeah. and then at the end, if you win, you're rewarded with a delightful, very um, Independence Day alien blowing up planet scene. <laughs> nice. I would like to see that. Yeah. I love the way the Antarans look. Like when they show up to terrorize you. 
and stuff. They're very cool, like just weird, gross, organic ship, space mutant things. So I would like to take them out because they are assholes. <laughs> I don't like them. Yeah, no, yeah, um, for sure. They're space dicks. They've been locked away in a you know in a prison world. Space for... dicks. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, analog. Yeah, yeah. but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I forget what I was even going to say. So, so, so it's like a more advanced, harder version of capturing the Orion homeworld. Then, yes, okay. yeah, because the Orion homeworld only has one really powerful ship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and you don't win the game for doing the Orion Orion yeah. homeworld. You just no. get some secret tech. You just yeah. <laughs> was it the was that the Which case? Are randomized. Oh, really? Yeah. So, are there, yeah. There, is there just like some tier of exotic text that you can't research that you only get yep. through doing that? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Or like the only way Antaran ships. Exactly. Yeah. Which is not easy to do, but you can do it. They, yeah, they self-destruct. Huh. So it's pretty difficult. I gotcha. So was yeah. was capturing Orion the uh, the victory condition for Master of Orion 1? Or I don't know. I honestly have no idea. Huh. I, I think I played Orion 1 maybe two or three times, and I liked it. It's a good game. It's just, you know, I have Master of Orion 2. It's way better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I assumed. Like, this is, this is the kind of, uh, you know, game where, like, the... I mean, I guess it's not true because the third one is worse, but that if the second one was good, the first one's probably just the same, but less so. Right. So um, next you're picking your race. This is, you know, probably the most important decision you're going to make. This is when you're setting up your your strengths and your weaknesses and such, um, picking or designing your race. Yeah. So there's some pre-designed ones. Um, if you're new to this game, uh, as I am, uh, um, then Cylons are definitely the way to go, I think. And not, I think, Brayden told me to think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the benefit of the Cylon is that they get the the maybe most game breakiest uh trait called creative, which allows them to research all of the options in a research tier, um, where normally you would have to pick between one of three or one of two, but you get to have all three or all two of them, which For the is same cost. just a huge, huge bonus. Well it's yeah. actually a little bit more. Oh, is it? I, I didn't yeah, realize. Just that. a little bit, but but the Cylons are better at researching in general, so it offsets it. Yeah. The the uh, so I, I ended up doing the Cylons, and I like playing as the Cylons. But one of the things it did was it made me care less about how I was researching. Right. Like I wasn't making as an intentional of a choice. So when I played again and played without creative, even though I didn't win the game, it helped me uh, think better about you know okay, well I need to come up with a specific kind of path like. Do I want to concentrate on production or do I want to concentrate on, you know, uh, morale, you know, which which influences and, and made me think about it in a, in a deeper kind of way yeah. than I was otherwise. So it's helpful to it's helpful to kind of start out because it's the easiest way to do it. And then it is helpful to try it without it. Yeah. Um, I think the silence of the buffet where you figure out that like, oh, boy, I really like X. And then you in future versions figure out that that can work for it and then discover right. the implications like, oh, if I really improve my farming tech, I can devote more resources to production. And right. that might help me out more than re- researching this thing that helps me get more production. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. All the races are pretty well balanced. I mean, there are some that are they're definitely shittier, but they what they do is they lend themselves to different strategies. So I feel like each race is more or less viable, um, even though some things are a little bit under, you know, underpowered. Like, I think the Bullrathi are pretty crappy yeah. um, because even to get to ground combat, you have to win in space combat and they don't have advantages for that. 
Well, that's, yeah, as long as uh, there's a fleet there to defeat, which normally the computer does, but if you can draw their fleet away or anything like that, you can sneak past their star bases with just hmm. ground troops, which is great. Huh. Yeah. I've, so I haven't had early that. Game, yeah, early game, it can be really powerful to, like, sneak in and get a, grab a few planets with them. Hmm. Yeah, I, I had a hard time with them. Like, I, I mostly, after doing the Cylons, I ended up making my own race, even if they ended up being very Cylon-like, you know, after that. Mm. Um, but uh, those are the, and then the, um, what is it, the the bird creatures, the Alkari. I had a, I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I had a hard time figuring out how that, I would make that work. Yeah, they they just have the bonus of extra stuff at the beginning, but that's it for the yeah. ancients. Uh, mm, yeah. And ship defense, which is interesting. Like they're not like they're like a turtle research race without creative. Hmm. So, yeah, I did uh, did a game with the Illyrians uh, because of the mm-hmm. telekinetic or uh, the telepathic um, ability, mm-hmm. and that kind of breaks it because it takes away all the mystery, like, all the mystery of exploring anything. So you can actually be more efficient with the way you deploy uh, new colonies and stuff because you can just look yep. and see where everybody's at and see the state of every um, of every single planet. <laughs> Yeah, the omniscient sure. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, telepathic lets uh, them take control. Oh, yeah, I got those two confused. Yeah, yeah, and you get a spy bonus with them, which is great because you can't build every tech, so now you can steal it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spies are really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I never got to, I never did real well with the Darlocks, but one trick is when you're making your own race, um, choose the portrait of the race you don't want to see in the game. Oh, really? Um, yep, and that race won't show up. Wow. Um, so I would oftentimes choose the Darlocks because I got it would you know I usually chose a, a negative to spying to kind of balance my points and I did not want the Darlocks just fucking up my shit constantly. Yeah, so I, I usually take them out. I was trying. I, I that that's probably the biggest thing that messed up my Yoinkum's game um, <laughs> for, for the for the crazy spy based uh, uh, civ that Braden recommended um, because I picked the humans because like oh, you know I never played a game with the humans so might as well put that on there so I can identify with them more you guys mm-hmm. um, and yeah. uh, and the Darlocks were my nemesis and they just completely they're like yeah we see you spying it's cool no it's not we're at war now you're dead yeah (laughs) yep yep. so um yeah creative is one of those traits that's real uh that's real expensive i never did lithivore um just because that is that race like hard mode the uh the the crazy uh silicoids or whatever well it it depends on how you play if you want to play just a super aggressive game then they're fine because then at least you don't have to worry about people complaining about you spying or using <laughs> bioterrorism or anything because it doesn't matter you're repulsive mm-hmm. um, but they can go on toxic planets and they can go on radiated planets and you never have to build food which means that all of your normal guys can work on production or work mm-hmm. on research instead yeah so it really frees up like a third like an early early game third of your population yeah yeah and well and just the fact that all the planets are treated as you know fine yeah too is yeah. huge like you can expand you know really well like if you're going to make if you make a race do uh do lithovore and then if you combo that you, know, you have to take some serious ne- negatives but i think i did a race where i combo that with uh subterranean and oh, then just shit. had these like ridiculous population you know you just <laughs> fill these like every planet with dudes because huh. um, that, that's one of those things like i i that's not original i read it online but one of the things is like population is power in this game like making the most guys is very very useful yeah yeah you want people mm-hmm. so yeah i like i like those guys um i the uh what is it the uh sarkrans who <laughs> who have who are that underground race 
Um, if it wasn't Sakura, for yeah. Sakura, yeah, it wasn't for the feudal thing. Like making my kind of my own Sakura with something different than feudal was useful. Like I hate feudal. Yeah, I can't do feudal. Yeah, if you if you do just subterranean unification, like you have that huge morale bonus, and then you have a million dudes, and it's really super powerful just with those two traits. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because yep. yeah, feudal. I, I never never was able to succeed with feudalism. Yeah. As a as a government type. I pretty much just always landed on dictatorship um, because it, it had, you know, it wasn't, it didn't have all the drawbacks of doing feudalism, which I think gives you more room to do other stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's just like, a, it's considered to be like a net neutral and some of the drawbacks of democracy kind of scared me off a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Democracy is tough. Like I, it's a really, it's really powerful, but then the, uh, the spy penalty. So especially if you've had poor experiences with being spied upon. Yeah. You know, you have to you have to get really like democracy pairs well as long as you can research with creative because you can research um, anti spying techniques, hmm. and until you get those, you're you're pretty much a sitting duck for for spies. Yeah. It is frustrating, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love the the kind of character of all the different different races too. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes through in their mm-hmm. voice and their music um, when they show up on your communication. Like I, I, they don't have like huge backstories to them, but they do kind of suggest a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, through everything, I think yeah. it's really kind of effective and cool. And most of the time, when you're playing as them, you really only see the one face of your <laughs> own group, which is the research guy, who in the humans just looks like I—he looks like an <laughs> actor I know I've seen before, but I just can't place his name. Like, but but there's also like you see the military dude, and then you see the uh, like the spy dude occasionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's kind of neat because it's not just the same guy; it's the guy. Well, you know, it's a little different. It's the same guy, but he has camo and a gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just got a closet full of costumes, yeah. just depending on what uh, what he's gonna need. Um, but yeah, I think making your races is really fun. I I wish that there were more drawbacks available. Like, there's only mm-hmm. a few different drawback things that you can choose. Sure. So I found myself, you know, wishing that there was a balance. Like, there are tons and tons of perks. Only a few drawbacks, and it, I didn't really understand. Like, it seems like you have to be at a net zero. Um, you couldn't like it would it would tell your score. Like, your score would give you either a plus or a minus percent, but it wouldn't right. let me continue with a, a super race or a, a crippled race from there. Yeah, I think yeah, you have to be close. I thought if you had negatives, you could go negative ten, and then you would just get a score bonus at the end. Okay. It's weird. But, well, I guess maybe that's true. It's it's weird though that it shows you like you'll get a score penalty. Oh, I'm sorry. But you can't actually continue the yeah. game that way. Yeah. I meant a positive ten, like as in you took negative. Not 10 as many traits. Yeah. Traits. Yeah. And it's weird because um, that limits your options because you have to pick stuff that mathematically adds up to zero. So like if I right. wanted to do this particular thing, there's no way that you can like fine tune the degrees to be like okay, I'll take maybe just a little bit less of a penalty in this, so I can you know even out that positive score. Um, right. Yeah. But for the most part, it's it's really well balanced and and works out well, and it's really fun to create your own race. Yeah, and that kind of just sets the it, it sets the tone. It, uh, it 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 is the first big decision that affects all of the later decisions that you're going to make. Um, and one of those, a lot of those big decisions that you make, or you know, the ones that you're confronted with the first at first, really is um, um, how you're going to expand and what you're going to research, right? Yeah, like I mean, so you're setting up, you know, you you start out with a home planet that's usually in pretty decent shape, unless you took. Uh, you know penalties to it and uh right. there are a lot of benefits you can choose as well that only go for your your home planet your kind of capital planet and uh yeah so you, and you just kind of start working towards things you have um boy it's hard to think of how to organize this <laughs> yeah um 
you know, you're in a system and a lot of it's random too. Like you're in mm-hmm. a system, like are there other good planets in the system? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Like I've started a game where I'm the only planet in the system. I've had other ones where there are reasonable planets nearby and that gives you a big advantage. Yep. You know, it's cheaper to right. colonize something that's in your same system than, uh, than to go somewhere else. The early game is really about that one X, which is expanding mm-hmm. uh, because you need to have the other planets to have the population to keep your entire empire rolling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you're going to hit like hit the hit the ground running with research, too. Like that's always, you know, mm-hmm. the very first thing I always do is uh, get up to a research lab. Mm-hmm. So research will be faster. And then uh, okay. it's worth talking about. And then uh, try to get to automated factories. Yeah. Um, so I can make things faster. Um, it's worth noting that uh, sadistically, if you're not creative, automated automated factories are positioned opposite missile bases. <laughs> and that drives me nuts yep. because missile bases are so fucking good. But I also can't really imagine going without automated prep factories. So I never take it. And it just make, makes my planets, like, much harder to defend. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that, de- that depends, again, on if it's early game, late game sort of thing, because missiles get outranked pretty quick. Um, so, so And you'll want to go with fuel over, because it's the same research tier, fuel and missiles. Mm-hmm. So you'll end up eventually wanting to go for fuel so you can actually make it across the map. Yeah. Uh, it's just <laughs> all that stuff. So much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Tons of stuff. And, and and that's why creative kind of breaks you is because is because you're inured to how much stuff is there. Yeah. 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 It just seemed like at some point, like there my very first game, like because I was creative, at some point I was just like, Okay, well this this all sounds good. Like I wouldn't read all the entries. I was like, Click, <laughs> yep. you know, sure I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm making so much research per turn, might as well just grab it all, you know? <laughs> And then that lent itself to when I was actually time to implement it, I was just trying to implement it all as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just on every mm-hmm. planet, I would build everything. Yeah. just And that's know. really not necessary. Like, you, you know, the planets should have like a level of specialization. They have different traits, yeah. you know, so different planets are better for different things. And on my more successful games that came later, like I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, this planet has an artifact. This will be a research colony. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I, you know, it, I don't need to build, you know, uh, uh, automated factories here or robo miners or what have you it acknowledges those choices so it's like it expects you to do that like if you have uh, a disproportionate number of researchers it will say this is the research colony of so and so so like that like right. that that is the strategy that the, that the, that the developers totally intended for you to take yep yeah yeah it took me a while to realize it though Yep. But uh, yeah, just because you want to, you feel like you want to make the most of each of your colonies, right? And there's that notion of like, okay, well, everybody has to have food. Well, no, they don't. If you have frigates, not frigates, but freighters rather, that is totally yeah. not a not a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this planet over here that's like Gaia class that maybe <laughs> has some natives on it, mm-hmm. you know, that I took over. Like, this is where my food will come from. Yeah. Because uh, these people are amazing at creating food. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'll put my hydroponic right. farms and my subterranean, you know, my soil enrichment and shit. Yeah. So, uh-huh. it all seems simple in retrospect, but <laughs> the game is kind of bewildering when you when you start off. Like, there's a lot of screens <laughs> yeah. that you're going to be spending spending time on. Uh-huh. Like, it's so gamey, you know. Like, there's no no part of this that is simulation. Like, it's very much like you know you're playing a character that is controlling this stuff from a computer. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Yeah. Well, you know, you're the dictator or the unification leader. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> the unifier, I guess. 
unified. Like, so I guess you're just kind of, if you want to think about it, you're just barking orders, and by barking orders, you're pressing buttons on a keyboard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you can and yell that, while you're typing. I you know, do that. the it's way very distracting. they do it in space. Yeah. It's <laughs> called no one, space style management. No one can hear you type. <laughs> yeah. In space. No one yeah. can hear you click. <laughs> I found, so, um, so like, you know, my, my galactic neighborhood um, often mm-hmm. really determined my early success or failure. Um, just because once I figured out those kind of early heuristics, like, yeah, you know, go for, go for hydroponics or go for, go for the research lab. Uh, once I figured those out, it was kind of like, all right, everything that I can jump to just kind of has tiny, poor worlds, most of which are either mm-hmm. irradiated or toxic. I should probably reroll. Yeah, that can be, that can be real tough. I've certainly played games where I've basically had to move. Where, you know, like it's been four or five planets away that I finally find a good chunk of planets. So I end up mostly abandoning my starting colony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Which is valid. Yeah. Like it's a valid way to, to play. Like I, the most recent game I played um, yesterday, last game I played before the show, I did a thing I, I hadn't done before where my first area was pretty poor, but there was a uh, wormhole that went to another section that was adjacent to an alien race. So it was a little bit dangerous, but it was pretty wealthy. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having one planet in like the lower right of the map. That was my home world. And then everything else, I just pumped through this wormhole and started a second colony and it ended up working out just fine mm-hmm. um, yeah. there. But it was, it was, you know, you do have to kind of search or you could do like, you could reroll and try to get a new, a new, you know, more favorable set yeah. of things. Those wormholes are definitely like it, it makes the, maps kind of like three-dimensional a little bit or maybe four-dimensional i'm not sure um, but they just pop up randomly and it kind of feels like they like there are more of them as the day goes or as the game goes on hmm. which is like just i've noticed i, I don't know is, is it just like as races discover other worlds like more of them show up like in i think the, that's the what it is okay yeah i think they're there but they just once people find them yeah they show up on your right. map and then you're increasing scanners and stuff that like, you see further yeah true um yeah but the, like those wormholes act like chutes and or ladders to get you to the other, uh, to the other, you know, like across the map essentially, mm-hmm. um, with, right. with, without having to, you know, have fuel cells that will take you, you know, beyond seven parsecs, beyond ten parsecs, or take yeah. more turns. And to, there's uh, also get there. uh, black holes. I don't know if you guys have experienced oh, the yeah. fun of black holes. <laughs> so occasionally there'll be a black hole in the you know, in between some planets, and all that means is your ship can't pass through that general area. <laughs> so you have to usually reroute your ship around it. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, which is kind of annoying, but it's fine. So it's like yeah. having a mountain in your way. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's really fun when like you're rerouting your ships around it to attack someone, and then the hyperspace flux starts, so you're just oh, stuck geez. there for eight turns <laughs> or ten turns. <laughs> Jeez. And turns are a year. Yeah. So imagine yeah. those people on that ship. <laughs> just the the uh, nebulas are an interesting thing too. Um, nebulas, your shields don't work in nebulas, and it takes twice as much uh, time to pass through a nebula. Man, now I want yeah, to play Yeah, those are really FTL. interesting because they, they do just look like the background mm-hmm. on, yeah. on your little space map, but they're actually part of the game. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, the, the, you know, it's definitely the, the, the field of play that you have, you know, when you're trying to get out as far as you can. Uh, let's talk about some of the random events that can happen. Oh, yeah. 
things now? Oh, sure. Um, so most of the time, it's going to be those things like a, a wealthy investor or changing your planet, which we mentioned. Um, they're also space monsters, though. <laughs> um, and they all behave in kind of interesting ways. Um, one, there's like a nice Star Trek Next Generation Easter egg, the crystalline entity. Huh. Shows up from TNG, which I like. Sure, yeah. Um, there are the space eels. <laughs> I love the space eels. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which which breed? That's kind of their trick. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. uh, if you leave them alone, they'll create more. Yeah, and, and uh, they effectively blockade a planet. So if one decides yeah. to, uh, to perch on top of your Gaia farm world, you're in a very very bad situation. Yeah, yep. you have to send. I've send used them. Yeah, I've used them to my advantage before because they can only have one space eel per planet. So if you're close, if you're close to the edge of someone else's, you know, series of systems, you can just wait until until they expand and they'll, you know, breed two kids and then those eels will go attack the other two planets for you and mm-hmm. they and just come in and mop them all up. Exterminate yours. Well, the other thing I, yep. I love, the uh, my favorite space monster is the space dragon um, mm-hmm. who just wants money. Um, he wants a space horde. He's smoke. Yeah, he's, he's still, yeah, he's smoking out. He's like the space Wario. And he shows up and you can pay him to go attack another planet, which is really fun. Like, I like, I like that being like the vanguard of an attack. Like I would send him to a planet and then send my fleet in after him. <laughs> which is just like, dun, 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 just to totally demoralize them. Yeah. I <laughs> have ridden the mighty moon worm. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> um, like oh no like uh, he researched space dragons i can't even get a hold of that offer gift offer offer gift if a space dragon showed up it was my cue to go to war with somebody <laughs> um so gotta gotta keep a respectable purse on you yeah <laughs> never know when the space dragon's gonna come and shake you down also the space dragon is my mobster name <laughs> yeah we got jimmy pepsi and the space dragon rolling down the street <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about jimmy pepsi he, is he only drinks coke <laughs> he uh then there's the hyperspace beast which doesn't actually appear but will eat your ships if you try to fly somewhere yeah <laughs> that's like the dark version of the hyperspace flux or whatever the, the yeah. hyperflux huh. mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. um yeah also the space amoeba is there anything special about that because really that was just a tough monster i was never really able yeah. to take down yeah, he's just a tough yeah, monster. Yeah, I think he's just tough because I, I think the crystal tries to take your ships over. Hmm. Uh, and that's like their trick. And then the the space amoeba just like has a caustic effect that blows up your ships yeah. faster. Yeah. And then, um, there's like the hydra or whatever that is. Oh, yeah, uh, the space hydra. Yeah. And these these monsters will just be an... like guarding good planets too. Yeah, yeah. Like you'll send a scout and it's like, oh, shit, there's a space hydra. Mm-hmm. I have to come back to this planet later. Right. Yeah. It just sucks when yeah. you start you start a game and one of your immediate neighbors has a space amoeba and it's like, well, can't do anything yeah. about that. I yep. had good luck um, being having my race adjacent to another race, waiting for them to take out the monster and then going over. Like, if especially because I, I ended up playing since I never won through, you know, uh, di- uh, diplomacy mm-hmm. in the game. I tended to play a fairly warlike uh, Cylon group or cylon like Mm -hmm. and uh they would come and kill the space monster and then i would come and take over that planet after they oh you did that because yeah yeah yeah. because they would not you know typically the computer when they start up a new planet and this is true of of you too but they you know it takes a while they for them to put anything on it like i find when i was taking over opponent plants they'd have a lot of plants with just one population Mm -hmm. just farming like one farmer just hanging out you know and that's it yeah they're pretty pretty easy to take 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the, the, the real game kind of starts when you encounter these other races too, right? I mean, just like mm-hmm. after you make first contact, you have, you know, this, the, the, this, the, the, the stakes are high. Like for me, what would usually happen was a race would encounter me and then immediate, immediately declare war. So like all of those decisions I made in research up to that point, like had to really, really count because it would potentially mean once I met another race, I had to be ready to fight within like maybe like five or 10 turns. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of a shark smelling blood in the water thing. Like if you don't have a ship to defend yourself with and it usually early game can be just one ship and they won't just instant attack you. But Mm -hmm. but yeah, otherwise they just are like, oh, hey, you don't have any ships. I'm going to eat your planets. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that whole deterrence thing. Yeah. But no, most of the time they would just look at me and say, you'll make good pets. That's just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, research is really important. We'll talk about. I mean, we'll talk more about races when we start talking about diplomacy. Yeah. Um, and just kind of the ways you can interact with them. But like, uh, oh, we should talk about leaders here too. Yeah, probably. probably. Oh, this yeah. Is where they start showing up. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, tell us about. We, we're we're all looking at this. Uh, <laughs> the portraits of all these creepy creepos <laughs> via Brayton. Yeah. Um, there's. I can't even stress like much like this game. This game, much like a. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to play Endless Space. And Endless Space is one of the more recent 4X games to come out. It's a popular one. Is it like an MMO? But No, no, it's not. Oh. It's, a, it's another 4X. Um, I don't remember who made it, unfortunately. But uh, leaders and heroes were like the most important things and could really, really help you out if you got a good leader right away. Um, so, so leaders are set up in two ways. There's the colony leader and there's the ship leader. Ship leaders go on your ships and they make your fleets better or specifically that one ship. Colony leaders go in your colony clearly and they make all of the planets in that colony better in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they happen semi-randomly. Some of your traits will affect um, how, you know, the quality and how likely you are to get them. Um, one pro tip is once you already have, if you're not using them all, if you have four leaders, um, or there's just one hanging around, you're not really using him, fire him. Yeah. Um, because you want to have at least a free slot or you'll no longer attract leaders. Yeah. There's um, a good chance you, that you'll have one leader that's only got one ability, like a Kimboozy, or, yeah. a, you know, who's, who's just a purple monkey that helps you farm better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which, and he's great. You know, Kimboozy shows up. He's a nice guy. He looks like Station from Bill and Ted, too. Um, <laughs> You know, hire him for a second because he's super cheap and he'll make your farming better. But then as soon as, you know, somebody else comes along, you get Kimboozy yeah. and get the Kimboot. Um, <laughs> One of my uh, personal favorite leaders is Valen, the rogue trader, who um, when I was playing this game originally was mostly with my uh, my friend and friend of the show, Jeremy Dietzik. And we would refer to him as Ambassador Punchmouth <laughs> because he... <laughs> Because he, he really has, like, what the German call the uh, Backpfeifengeschicht, which is uh, a face that needs a fist. <laughs> <laughs> Go I'm on. Looking at, I'm looking at him here on the picture, and he's right next to Vought the Technomancer, who also needs to be punched. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Vought like, the Technomancer, like, he's kinda, he kind of looks like a weird Q. Yeah. Yeah, he's the mischievous. Like he's real smug. Yeah, yeah. Valen does look like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I know we were talking about it off mic. One of my th- favorite things about the leaders, though, is that they don't come from the the thirteen races that you know for the most part. Some of them do, right. but several of them come from totally new races, and I really like that it suggests this kind of wider universe out there outside of yeah, the, the galaxy that you're in. It's kind of like a Mass Effect thing where there's like the five major races, but then there's a bunch of smaller races too that don't really get as much representation. Yeah, there's the Volus, like the the client races who just kind of like coexist. Like, oh, you have right. the you have the Drell, but there are also like these Hanar that are like they're, they're coexisting. Right, like yeah. the Brainiacs <laughs> and that yeah. kind, kind of because the Hanar are are actually telepathic floating jellyfish. They're yeah, not or upside down get, eyeball get strawberries like Brainiac. Nope. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, or, just in terms of like abhorrent uh, uh, biology, I guess I was saying. Oh. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, I found less use for uh, less use for ship leaders. Honestly, like I, oh, I never, too. I never found a lot of like way to use them, and that's uh, may, maybe I'm a monster, like some like on the order of uh, Zap Brannigan or something. But like most of my ships were disposable. And so the sure. I, the idea of having you know like having like the dread pirate Mystic X the unknown you, you know <laughs> who was in this Titan class ship you know raining terror down on planets you know that everybody feared like that didn't really happen for me because I never got my my combat game up that high right I tended to have bigger fleets yeah. too and and yeah. and yeah like they were fairly disposable so it depends like if you get a a good a good uh leader can really make a big difference I'm, I'm sure and a single ship like if you're in a defensive situation that one mm-hmm. leader can really can really be helpful yeah well, i mean not everyone is slag the arms dealer <laughs> well no and it would be unrealistic <laughs> to expect them to be right yeah or pop you, you know i um, mean nobody can be as effective as diablo the cyber marauder well the, 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 other, the other reason why uh i didn't tend to use them is because when it was time to go to war that's when my economics got really tight yeah in general, and the the price tags for these guys was just you know, in times of peace, like oh sure I'll hire you two mm-hmm. two bitcoins a turn, fuck it. <laughs> and then like in times of war, it's like well shit, I'm already running at a negative sixty bitcoins per yeah. per year, mm-hmm. um, because I had to rush build all these ships, so uh, you know to go to war, so I might as well uh, kind of pass. So that would happen a lot too. That, that's all all about that balance, you know, because then your fleet goes up, and then if you exceed your fleet number, then mm-hmm. your money goes way down, and then yeah. you have to put your tax up, which lowers everyone's morale, <laughs> yeah. makes everything worse. Or take everyone and put them on trade goods, which I, I love that idea of, like, the kind of the rhythm of this game, the kind of uh, flow of it, where it's like, oh, shit, well, now it's a time of war, so we can't concentrate on research. Like, we have to, everyone's got to be making, you know, money. It's just, you know, it's it's like real life. Mm -hmm. You know, put everybody in the the factories to build war rubber for for WW2. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Rosie the Riveter wasn't making uh, shells for, you know, for (laughs) artillery. Instead, she's making, like, little knickknacks to sell (laughs) (laughs) black rosie the enforcer yeah right just uh, rosie the uranium richer yeah Yeah. little statues of of relina the siren or whatever yeah yeah Yeah, you you have your rosie the riveter i got chug the paleontologist (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know you've got grog the no lamb capitalist saying go out and buy space suvs to help the war effort it's like you you gotta be going yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that, that's leaders. So they, they they're pretty much just like little perks. Yeah, you 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 pay for. Um, one thing that should be noted is uh, mega wealth, which are people who actually pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Braden you know, told me this. Like that's that's an auto hire, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, 
because not only will um, yeah mega wealth pays you so so even when they level up they have to level up like five times to where they break even where usually if it's a mega wealth of 10 and then they finally cost 10 mm-hmm. yeah but they they cut like they cost like 160 up front usually and then you'll get plus 10 bitcoins yeah. per turn or what have you um and then they make other uh other leaders cheaper to hire so they're pretty great if you well, happen to run that's actually race. famous well, they, they usually come uh, hand in hand, though. I guess I was talking about yeah. usually the same leaders. I think most of them that have mega wealth also have famous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because famous people are better than us. I'm sorry, rich people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both. And it really helps, helps, attract, helps attract a better class of hero to you or yeah. leader to you if you mm-hmm. have famous. The hero we deserve. Damn it. <laughs> is our reference book really that shallow gary yes <laughs> okay <laughs> the, uh, yeah, you don't want to know yeah. um <laughs> uh this is sometimes leaders will also bring uh, uh tech with them as well yeah 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 which is always that's also an, an instant buy for me and yeah. then i even if i'm going to dismiss them mm-hmm. like if they have a tech that i want i'll i'll pay for it yeah. um because in times of peace i tend to have tons of money just like real life yeah. um let's talk about research uh we already have right um yeah kind of i mean there's so there's different there's like eight different kinds of research that you're going through um you know and the you can only research one at a time um you essentially just uh you are choosing how many researchers you want to have versus farmers versus producers yeah um, at any given time and the way that it uh you get your um like kind of breakthroughs is interesting like so something doesn't take a set number of turns it just the longer that goes on, you have a higher percentage of making a breakthrough, right? And getting the thing. So you're not, you can't. It kind of adds this layer of randomness. Like you can't, you know. Oh, I know I'll have this in three turns. Well, it might be two, but it might be five, right? Um, so it's it's hard to plan on. Yeah. Perfectly. Yeah. So it's really just like you're throwing you're you're throwing resources at a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it will definitely happen eventually. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of interesting the way that works, and oftentimes if you're lucky, like you'll get things way quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know there's those eight different tech levels, and there is some kind of overlap. So like, um, chemistry tends to be yeah you know missiles or fuel, um, but you'll also find uh, uh you know some some things that are really like some miniaturization for that in another one of the fields. Mm-hmm. You know, so there is some mm-hmm. kind of overlap, and some of it is invisible, like some of that miniature miniaturization stuff specifically. Um, I didn't see where it would tell me that. Um, it just kind of came with it. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, and really, if you don't have creative, it's not so much that, like, oh, I have to research so-and-so times to get stuff here. You're actually researching something at the exclusion of other things. So, like, if you decide to get hydroponics, you won't get, you know, soil enrichment. I'm not sure what the actual choice you're making there is. But, uh, but yeah, so so, like, it actually is you're making choices that are branching out. Mm-hmm. Somebody inhaled sharply. Am I wrong about that? <laughs> no, no, you're, you're completely right. Okay. You're completely right. You're right about what you said, and you're right that somebody inhaled sharply. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're wrong about everything else. Oh, tell me something I don't know. Um, <laughs> miniaturization was kind of the secret stat that I didn't really understand until fairly late. Yeah. How exactly yeah. how important that is, um, which is hugely. And what it does is it makes your weapons and, and uh, you know, armor and components of ships smaller so you can fit more of them onto a ship. Mm-hmm. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's huge. Um, <laughs> miniaturization so. is huge. Yeah, miniaturization sounds like some is kind huge. of, like, weird, like, slogan, like, that would show up at a trade show. 
<laughs> like, like nanotechnology is the gigantic of the future. On a lanyard? <laughs> yeah, on a lanyard. On the side of a tote bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, man. Yeah. So I pretty much focused on the top of like the eight options uh, to the exclusion of the bottom, which I think was hurt, uh, harmful to me in the early run. Right. You kind of, I mean, you kind of have to do, they're all useful. The one that, the only one that ended up being kind of neglected for me oftentimes was sociology. See, and um, I focused on that like crazy hard. Like there was too many, there's too much of it that was like, um, well, I guess you're, I mean, you're, if you're being a dip- diplomat, that makes sense. But like the Xeno yeah. management center, I never really used that. Um, yeah. What that did was well, just make it easier run, to expand yeah. into other people's yeah. territories. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know it does. I just didn't. Yeah. I oftentimes wouldn't take over a race. Like, oh, if okay. I when I yeah, went to war, just, it was time to bomb. Yeah, we were just bombing them out of the planet, and then you would send colony ships to take over, right? Yeah, and, and <laughs> I like yeah, that, this. I was going to take it. Yeah. And well, not just that. Like, I also wasn't concentrating on my ground forces. Oh yeah. So like, I wasn't built for that. You know. Yeah. Um, I was built to bomb and take over. Yeah, I just like the idea of getting the, the, the traits of other races for, for, for mm-hmm. that particular use. So, like, the sociology was was really uh, tempting for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and there are more morale-boosting technologies later. Morale is, like, a, <laughs> they, don't, they don't tell you this either. This was something I didn't explain until understand until a little bit later, but it's a uh-huh. flat bonus, like, uh-huh. to everything. So, plus 20% morale is plus 20% to everything. Yeah. Your workers yeah. are just better. So, so morale is... In my big and longest game, like every planet had a pleasure dome, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the way it should be. I think right. if we well, all yeah, if we all look in our hearts. <laughs> well, of course, I mean, if we again, can't like, have our yeah, if we can't have our private Xanadus, then what's the point? Yep. The, uh, well, again, like uh, you know, the uh, parallels with real life. Like, of course, a planet should concentrate on making its people happy. Yeah, and then it will be a better planet. <laughs> duh you know like why like it's just you know it, it seems like uh yeah it's it's good that it makes sense in the game as well i won that game yeah. <laughs> i would yeah i would concentrate on most of my games i would actually so missiles even though they get outclassed if i was creative i, w- I could do missiles for the whole game because there are technologies that will counteract the countermeasures mm-hmm. to missiles mm-hmm. so they can they can be viable but you have to design your ships as such yeah and, and you it, can go in different routes with them especially with like there's a, a, a like a mission system yeah. i think it's like a an emission guidance system which will knock out the engines which means you can go take over the ship if you have marines on your ships it's great yeah. Yeah. or just the the mirv which turns a missile into yeah. four missiles yeah. and and you can use cheaper missiles because they'll be four times as effective in the end like whenever yeah. i went to war it was so satisfying to hit auto and just have a wave of missiles <laughs> like literally like a, a left parentheses just thick with missiles just heading towards these plant you know these ships mm-hmm. and uh you know just just do really well in these huge battleships yeah. but beams you know i tend to i haven't done like a beam focused combat race really which is the lower left is the the beam and sensor path yeah. um yeah yeah when i my first plant like my first time i played i was concentrating almost entirely on population and food mm-hmm. which was kind of a mistake like that's useful but it's not the only thing i should have been doing i didn't really understand right. pollution um, at first, which is a side effect of production, and you have to build technology to counteract it, or you lose production. Right, right. I think if you're um, if you're an underground race, like a subterranean race, like you have reduced pollution because I guess you just throw it in the core, which is what that core waste dump is. Yeah, that's waste. the ultimate. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Of, yeah, just throw it in the core. <laughs> yep. Yep. I wish you could like ship your pollution into the sun. 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. use your frigates for that. That would have messed up the, the balance, but it would make sense. Yeah. And blown up the sun. Well, no, you don't uh, blow up <laughs> Just use it as the as the gigantic galactic incinerator, right? Yeah, yeah. it's just garbage, Gary. <laughs> yeah, it's just... space garbage though. It's it's high tech garbage. <laughs> well, and also, the I most, gave... it's just gonna cool it. I, I gave yeah. my I gave my race the trait: all trash is nuclear bombs. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nuclear bombs are nothing though. This I know. Game. I love how that's the very start. Yep, like, starting with yep. nukes and then moving on up from there. And I love how nobody treats that as an atrocity either, <laughs> no. because because there are things you can do. There like there there's stuff you can research that 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 will make you monsters. Like you can be like a Cylon Mengala. Yeah, 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 with your yeah. death spores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even though it's never like you're never going to get an advantage out of abusing your population, right? You know, like starving or like I mean, sometimes it's you know it's something if it's, people are starving a little bit, like you can let that hang while you get your ducks in a row elsewhere but like there's no like whipping your people into more production yeah you know there's no mechanic for that so. yeah the the only thing is building the uh marine barracks and the like xeno management system or the alien management system just yeah. to like trick the the old guard into converting to the new guard <laughs> yeah when you take over a planet you can shore up negatives but you can't you can't get ahead yeah the other the other option when you take over a planet is just to commit genocide Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which humans can't do, notably. Like they don't have they don't get the option oh, to get really? genocide. Yep. Um it's in their racial characteristics. They cannot commit uh, you can bomb a planet, but you can't land on it and then systematically start killing the yeah. the people. Huh. I love that that's the option. Like it's just like you've colonized this planet. Do you want to annihilate everyone on it? <laughs> but like the annihilation you know like the, so, so the difference between those you know they bomb it and take everything there which is all their buildings and possibly some tech um well if you bomb it you blow up their buildings you know what i got those i got i got those backwards yeah. yeah so bombing it just means like okay we're gonna start it we're gonna start from scratch here and then if you do the gen- the genocide you you get the tech and the buildings at the expense of your popularity in the universe mm-hmm. um which right. you know may or may not matter to you if you're silicoid and you're you're basically taking a planet that has full population or potentially full population and slowly making it worse while you bring your own guys over yeah So I'm going to say, like, my favorite thing about this game is, like, the economy building, which is trying to make decisions to make my entire empire sustainable, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Just that whole notion of you've got this relatively simple balance sheet, but trying to plan a couple of moves ahead and trying to keep yourself, you know, in in the green so that you can have the flexibility to make those decisions. And there's a bunch of stuff that goes into it. And I only really learned it after having a couple games where, like, oh, why is this status message at the beginning of my turn saying, you scrapped your freighter, you scrapped your freighter, you scrapped your freighter. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, like, you can't, yeah, you have to, you have to keep the uh, the money flowing. Yeah. And in a positive. Or your debtors will come and take your stuff, <laughs> break, apparently. Break your, yeah. break your interstellar legs. Can you lose from, I guess you would just end up at a net zero. At some point, like eventually, you would just sell things until you didn't have anything. Yeah, like you can lose as a just you know going to debtors' space jail. I'm not, I'm not sure what order they they scrap stuff in. 
like I always noticed it was kind of like, oh, well, that kind of sucks, but it doesn't hurt me too much. But I think if you lose everything, it's kind of like, well, you start back at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, because as you lose yeah. ships, you, you lose the need for command points. So you're right. not going to be in deduct. Yeah. Yeah. For those, so you get back to a you you get back to to a kind of equilibrium, but it puts you at a real disadvantage if you don't have those ships to defend. So being at an, at an economic disadvantage puts you at a huge, huge um, military disadvantage as well. Well, yeah, and you wasted all those resources. Yeah, yeah, the, like, and, know, and, the, that, and that yeah. time too. Yeah. So like when when I started going into negative CP, which are command points, um, yeah. command points are the the number of ships you can control. Mm-hmm. And you can build things, well, and there are different tech. Go ahead. Yeah, the number of ships you can control without it costing you more money. Right, right, right. Because right. you and, can have and, as many ships as you want as long as your economy can support them. Correct. Yep. Because um, you can go into a negative uh, number yeah. for that. And there are technologies that improve it, and uh, star bases and battle stations and stuff you build on, on ships that help with that. Yeah. Um, but once you go below, mm. for every CP you go negative one, it costs you 10 bitcoins per turn. And the uh, uh, that gets you know that adds up really quickly because the ships are worth depending on the size are worth a different number of CP, so it's really well balanced in that regard. And the way that I you know I always went into negative CP when I went to war, and the way that I balanced for it was just putting everyone on trade goods. Right. So like that was the only way I could do it was to have a huge negative in CP and then a huge positive in money or raise taxes for that period. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's how I was able to kind of balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes, you know, necessary at, at certain points to just kind of send out. You can either scrap your own fleet if you want the money, but I always think it's more fun to just send your really shitty ships out to just <laughs> mm-hmm. get killed and try to do <laughs> yeah. as much damage as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, because once you build often, a ship, like, or, yeah, or they, and, and the enemy's not going to be able to repair their own <laughs> ships. They often don't repair their own ships in like the same way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can get in there and do some more damage to them. The Because uh, it's interesting because you'll make a ship and it's made with the best technology at the time. And then you will get better technology. And when you design that ship again, <laughs> it doesn't upgrade your old ships. So you, you have these kind of space clunkers mm-hmm. hanging around, um, you know, that are just garbage. Like they're just not worth anything, you know, because, oh, like, why would yeah. I use shield three when I have shield five? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can refit them at your planets, but that takes time and that takes money. Oh, I didn't uh, even. Well, I guess that. Yeah, you can refit your your old ships and and add new stuff to them or completely redesign them. Oh, huh. Oh, shit. I I love the idea of, so you don't scrap an old ship and you don't fire an old leader. You just send both off to die in a suicide mission. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you just put the leader on the ship. And then I use death spores on the planet and kill everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Come Listen, on. If, if I can't have Crassus the labor leader, nobody gets him. Like, oh, I don't want my opponents to hire him. He broke my heart. Yeah. Crassus broke my heart. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I have to say, like, like my, my, my biggest, most successful run, probably the, the game that I sunk maybe I would say like six or seven hours into, um, was one where... I really kind of learned some of the like some of the benefits that the uh, the sociology and kind of like biology um, tech trees could do, which is like they make you put your population to much more efficient use. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it helped me design my economy around like as opposed to having a third of my population on a given planet dedicated to farming. And then once I got, you know. Uh, freighters and started specializing like even then it was like maybe my like my most productive farms had like 
two people on farming and I was feeding this mm-hmm. whole multi-colony empire. And that actually freed me up to, you know, dedicate the people to like having a trade goods uh, planet and like construction planets all around. And like that, like that is a huge efficiency boost for me. The, the, all the, the, almost all the technologies are dedicated to that, are dedicated yeah. to like making you use your people better. Yeah. And there are different ways you can make them. So if you don't want to have them on farming, like you can, you can, you know, set up with these kind of farming techs. Mm-hmm. Also, when you build, uh, you know, automation. Yeah. Kind of things it's like you can use fewer people or get things done faster and put those people on research and then you build research things and you know like it you can do kind of like a concentration in that um and ultimately like every one of your planets that can farm should probably have farming tech on it but they should also all have robo miners and you know a deep core mine yeah and they should all have auto labs mm-hmm. and stuff like those things that are just kind of those passive bonuses that just contribute yeah. to your empire you want to have everything on yeah. and then you just your people just become like uh like where do i need to concentrate for now right you know each of these plants is creating tons of research and tons of production right now i need it to make money so i put everybody there and right yeah. now i need it to do research because i really need to get need to get this tech in time to go to war yeah things like that and i love that colony screen where you can just allocate different people to different places yeah, I didn't notice yeah, that until like, like my third game. Yeah, like 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 that is so much better than going, uh, you know, from planet to planet. Like at the end, I almost never ended up looking at the actual like weirdly Heroes of Might and Magic esque uh, town screen. Like I was mm-hmm. mostly doing mm-hmm. all of my uh, micro and macro management from that colony screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Yeah, but uh, yeah. always mm-hmm. run, always yeah. running up against that command points um, ceiling. Like that was the biggest drain of my economy at all at all times yeah it's designed yeah, that, to be. Yeah. yeah until late game when you have either a bunch of colonies star fortresses or you have your upgraded um uh, like government tech which mm-hmm. is like one of the last options for the sociology tier yeah that usually like doubles your cp yeah um if you're playing as uh, uh, i don't remember what is the uh <laughs> the standard one if you're playing as uh oh a dictatorship dip- dictatorship yeah it pretty much doubles your cpu which which is huge and then it gets to the point where it's like oh i can't even build enough ships to do this <laughs> and i don't need to because i yeah. think eight death stars is enough oh i'm sorry doom stars jeez brain i'm gonna have to beep that or else we're gonna get sued <laughs> when, when i won it well, like that's a good point like and what i was gonna talk about when we got to the war kind of section but like when i won it was a decisive victory <laughs> Yeah, like like yeah. the the times I would win, it was very rarely was I like winning by the skin of my teeth. It was yeah. always huge fleets of just like <laughs> not necessarily doom stars, but uh, destroyers, mm-hmm. um, just kind of stomping, you know, the yeah. the opponents. Like I, I didn't have any, and even uh, the game that I ended up winning on medium. Like by the time I decided to go to war, I was real serious about it, yeah, and uh, and was able to to kind of do it. So it wasn't something like I squeaked by the the skin of my teeth. I would end up getting to planets, hitting auto battle, and then going and making some coffee. <laughs> you know or and this is man this is just a side note but talk about a fucking podcast game like, to listen to podcasts on like jesus christ you just while away the hours like i've been listening to the to the this year collection i think that i went through at least five one up yours like compilations mm-hmm. uh and uh yeah dude compilations at like seven hours a piece yeah <laughs> like, yep, yeah yeah it just it just the time just goes yeah it's ridiculous it's it's like an awesome Mm -hmm. you know like i can see myself returning to this because for for as much as you're kind of like thinking broadly about kind of your strategy like in the moment to moment it's kind of like a kind of like visual and stimulus white noise so Mm -hmm. like i like i I would find myself like solving problems from work playing this 
Like it's mm-hmm. it's doing something with your hands and being like minimally engaged with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's something about the presentation that just is that, that, that is like that. And I say that as a good thing. You never call yeah. something white noise as a as a compliment, but that's where we're at. Yeah. So like I I agree with you. Like in general, that it is a like the visuals just kind of they do the job and don't obtru- you know intrude, which is great. And then, but the actual, the music and stuff is really good. I just want to make sure I point that out because we have a lot of things we still have to cover um, before we continue. And we don't really have kind of a a natural place for it. Yeah, yeah. There's the general game music, general game music, and then each alien race gets their own special music, which Mm -hmm. is fun. Which adds that theming that I was talking about before. Like, you kind of get a sense of these different cultures based on that. Yeah. Which I really like. Mm-hmm. So when, when you when you design a race, is it just that you get the music of whatever whatever uh, appearance you pick? Um, you, you don't, don't get, get to hear, hear your, your own music. music. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you hear their music. Okay. When they when they show up on your your scanner or whatever on your communication device, I was never sure. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I've never played as the Trillarians because I I just don't I don't know I don't get them I guess but <laughs> I like playing with them because I like just going to their menu and listening to their music it's great <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> throw yourself a little dance party yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> a little Cthulhu dance party <laughs> yeah Cthulhu dance pro- party is probably like some kind of like Xbox Live indie game that somebody made hoping they could oh, cash for sure. in yeah for sure in that in that nightmare gamescape <laughs> of like just zero quality control and just uh, yeah. I remember when I used to browse that. Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like it's like you know, absolute freedom doesn't work. Nope. Just... And like that, like, here's here's the shocking thing. That thing is peer reviewed, which yeah. brings to mind the fallacy of peer review, which is your peers can also be shitheads. Yeah. Yeah, and and actually are. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, but. I mean, wouldn't our lives be worse if something like Extreme Baby Maker 2 didn't exist? I, I'm familiar with said Baby Maker. <laughs> and I don't know if my life would be, life would be, be worse. How did you know what I named my penis, Brayden? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cole, we've been Eskimo buddies, if you want to call us that. Oh, Janine? <laughs> Shit. I had no idea. Huh. Let's come up brothers. Scream bacon. Yeah. I like to think we're just buddies. I don't want yeah. us to be brothers. Okay, cool. Because that makes it super creepy. So that's a little close. <laughs> no, that's the actual term. Let's come up brothers. Mm. Uh, at, least, at least as far as I have heard it. But that is just, that is that is neither here nor there. It's somewhere we don't want to yeah. go. It's, it's there. Yeah, but the, the 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 presentation is fantastic. I think I already talked about how efficient the uh, the the interface is beyond the initial shock uh, for when you see it. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, let's talk about. We were just talking about the different music of the different races. Let's uh-huh. talk a little bit about interacting with them. Yeah. So I had a I had a really hard time kind of like breaking through this at first. Like it was kind of like diplomacy was something that was kind of thrust upon me like the extreme baby maker um <laughs> but it's you were so just like born with it yeah you know i had no choice i had no choice in the matter real quick and i'm not implying that cole has a huge penis <laughs> but the uh, none of us are just for the record okay. um the uh but our crumb has a gigantic dick and he has a comic about like growing up and and having it and there's a single panel where it's him in a bathtub as a kid 
looking down and he's thinking he's thinking my penis is getting enormous this is terrifying like in big <laughs> letters and uh yeah as a kid and he's a, apparently he's just like one of those those hollywood you're not hollywood but one of those like you know culture coxmen like yeah. those like like milton burl you know those, those yeah. people that just have like mega wangs yeah yeah <laughs> wangs big enough panel. that they precede them yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, but um, I don't even I don't even know. So 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 diplomacy was more was was more like, okay, I would like to trade this with you, or you know, do you want to do this? I, I it was a while before I discovered the 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 menu five levels down, which let me actually initiate that. And once I did, it was fine. I like the diplomacy in this game way more than I have in like any other sort of four uh, X game or even a Civ game. Like it seems a lot more fair. Um, th- you know, being able to get into treaties that aren't like game breaking treaties, like you can do a research treaty, which just costs you money at first and then gets you research points or Mm -hmm. a a trade treaty that gives you money. I mean, it costs you money at first, then you get money Uh, Mm are really great. And then it builds your, you know, your reputation, I guess, with them. They like you more and they're less likely to just bomb you. But then you also get a benefit that isn't like, doesn't feel like the, computer just waiting to kill you right yeah it doesn't feel arbitrary too like um you know like when i played civ and i haven't put done i'm not been put tons of time into any of the sales like that game never really quite captured my imagination but the um like i remember not quite understanding why the computer was making the decisions it did mm-hmm. in that game in this game i do you know i kind of get it more yeah um i also the the thing that took me the longest to understand with this is when a civilization would ask for a technology at first i was just like well sure you know, like it never it never occurred to me like, oh, maybe I don't want the, the race of rock monsters to know how to uh, defeat my spies instantly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, so I was just like, yeah, like one for all. Let's do it. And, uh, yeah. and that's not the right decision. Yeah. necessarily. Uh, hey, for, I'll for... offer you laser fusion pistols in exchange for, <laughs> you know, terraforming. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck yourself. No. Yeah. Hey, can, can can you break like can you harm uh, uh, your relationship by saying no when they when they ask for that or is it? Yeah, if you've got really bad diplomacy to begin with, um, yeah, saying no can really be a problem. They'll even break your treaties, um, and that's again if if you're playing on a harder difficulty level, um, the the more they don't want to do diplomacy basically, okay, and the more you have to work for it. So. Yeah. So, yeah, if you just basically don't do what they want, they'll just be like, no, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. enemies. We go to war. Yeah, this is the last straw. Yeah. Yeah. This is the last straw. This is really the last straw. research shit. Yeah. Asshole. Yeah. I'm um, sorry I didn't give you galactic cybernet. But, you <laughs> <Yeah. know. laughs> kind of important. If you, if you bug them too much, they'll get mad too. Yeah. Which I like. Like, yeah. you just keep pestering them about things, they'll <laughs> eventually go to war with you. Yeah. Um, which spam, is funny. Spam their calendar. Yeah, but, yeah. but I played uh, a lot of um, a lot of hot seat games. Hot seat because this is a thing. Obviously, it doesn't exist in multiplayer games really that much anymore. But like the hot seat game is really great for this. Uh, if you have a friend over and you've got nothing to do for the entire day, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you can just play a hot seat game with them. And then there's a lot of like tech trading, and the game just even if it's between two human players will only let you trade so much tech before it just like ends diplomacy, and then you have to wait till the next <laughs> turn to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so like diplomacy was great because it kind of extended that outsourcing 
um, mm-hmm. notion that I was talking about with the economy. So like like by being mindful of what I was trading to somebody, or you know, just kind of like, oh, I need more research to you know to plug through this thing. Like managing those relationships in order to kind of extend extend beyond what I would have otherwise been able to do um, was really advantageous. Um, specifically, like in one of my games, one of the longer lasting ones, though not the longest lasting one, I, I just chose like, okay, so what, is this, what does this look like if it's just me and one other race? And so it was me as the Cylons and then my, my, my like, you know, opponents or whatever were Illyrians. And I was like, okay, so let's just do this. And somehow we, 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 we naturally fell into like just cooperating the entire time. So there was no fighting. And mm-hmm. I figured, okay, I'm going to like run them over anyway because there's no way I can do a, di- a diplomatic thing here, I guess. And so, like, I just like, you know, researched everything that I could, cooperated with them, got them complacent, and then just steamrolled them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it's done, it's a, man. Yeah, it's also like you do gain a little bit less from most diplomacy when you are creative because yeah. you're not benefiting from the tech trading. Yeah. Um, you're usually losing from it. Mm-hmm. But one important exception to that is mm. uh, it's always useful to trade for something that is a tech level that's by itself. Yeah. So like terraforming, I think, is like level seven biology, and that's the only technology there. So if you acquire that by some other way, you get to jump that whole level right. in research, and that can be really useful. Yeah. Um, there are a couple other ones like that, too, mm-hmm. where it's just, a, it's just one single thing. And there aren't right. very many, but... Um, that's pretty useful. The benefit in that case was by being in kind of like an alliance or whatever we ended up being, I forget what it was, they weren't building up their military, whereas right. I was, and that didn't count against it. So it was kind of like, okay, I've decided I'm going to uh, to end this, and then I was able to end it very, very quickly. Yeah. I did a lot of like accepting peace treaties with tribute and then you know waiting a couple turns to get some sweet, sweet tribute and then just killing them anyway. I always say yes to peace treaties when I'm on the warpath and then <laughs> just ignore them, <laughs> which is super shitty. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I usually only do that if I get something out of it. And and normally I try to get another planet out of it. Yeah. 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 Because then it's just less work for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it's one more planet, I don't have to bomb. My slave race can live there. <laughs> yeah. Five turns, I can cut off the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, espionage is really interesting. Yeah. And that's like uh, done through the race screen and is also something that. Uh, so, like, spying is um, it's defensive and offensive. You want to have spies hanging out in your in your crew. And then you also can send them to either hide, which means they just hang out and I guess they're just sleeper agents. Um, you, uh, you, yeah. And you can take a look at like uh, what they're building. You can have a better look at their general stuff. Oh, neat. Yeah. yeah, I never had anybody hide, but now that I'm still learning. Okay, that's pretty cool. Because <laughs> yeah. well, when you're have... spying on them, you get like a better report from them anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's the same thing, except that you don't piss them off. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and you piss them off either by stealing tech um, or by sabotage. And at first I thought like, oh, you know, sabotage is probably it's going to be like a, a path, like without really reading it. Like, oh, it's going to probably be like a passive reduction to their research rate or something like that. But I was blowing up battle stations <laughs> and stuff like it's, it's like if you set up a serious like contingent of spies, like they can really soften up a target mm-hmm. for you. You can't target individual planets, which is kind of frustrating. But um, when I was going to war with somebody, you know, I would send. 15 spies like i would do a, like when i was building up ships i'd also build up spies because they're relatively cheap they cost yeah. one uh bitcoin per turn and then just really cram you know a tons of spies up that empire's ass and uh they would just you know their, their stuff would just start blowing up <laughs> and uh really softens people up yeah and so, it makes yeah. them angry 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. But these were people I was planning to kill anyway. Yeah, true. Oh. Yeah, if you're going to war with them, they don't get any more angry. <laughs> yeah. Just... Unless, and sometimes it does happen that you'll blow up their space station, but it'll get framed by somebody oh, else yeah. because somebody else's spy, <laughs> and then that person gets mad at you. Oh, that's diplomacy. the problem with the Darlocks. Like, that's why when I do a custom race, I choose Darlocks, because they're constantly framing other people. Yeah. And the galaxy that they live in always just ends up with everyone mad at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like betrayals going round and around. World of the Darlocks. Some snake men just want to watch yeah. the world burn, Gary. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that was the frustrating thing about those guys, was constantly, me constantly getting framed when I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's interacting with other races. And then yeah, there's so the, spies yeah. can really fill your you know your tech holes, which is spies great. like us. Oh uh, yeah, yes, spy. God, <laughs> man, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, like that. Like so. I, I was barely alive at that time, but like I, I can, I even still, I can identify that movie as the time when I fell out of love with both Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> the movie has its moments. Oh, it's it just does. a theme song written by Paul McCartney. Spies, I guess, is like one of the worst songs of the eighties, and it's got all of the really terrible eighties like tropes to it. Like it's got terrible like eighties drums and terrible eighties synth and it's just like Tony there's a saxophone. I forget the song. No, it's a little bit more electronic than that. Okay. It's not soulful eighties. It's a <laughs> weird created by yeah. machine sac you know eighties. Yeah. Neil Young trans era. Yeah. 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 I wish. No, yeah, um, I know, really, right? it's like it it is it feels like and you're familiar now because you just did those berserk episodes but like <laughs> it's like Paul McCartney teamed up with Buckner and Garcia to write this song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It is like well it sounds like the do the Donkey Kong. Yeah. Um well, uh, isn't it Frogger? It, like Oh yeah, no. Until you get to the yeah, top. keep hopping. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking of Donkey Kong Jr. Yeah. going up to the top for some reason. So there's yeah, it sounds like Frog go. <laughs> there's something uh, like there's... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there, there's no other place to like 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 bring this up but on the something awful forums somebody said that when buckner and garcia came on in those episodes it sounded like me singing yeah i, I saw that <laughs> like i don't get that no i yeah i, I didn't think it's so. a compliment <laughs> I, okay so I, I wasn't i wasn't sure how to read it <laughs> Yeah, well, at the very least, rest assured, it's not an insult. I know. Like, it's 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 a weird thing to say, is what it is. Yeah, there we go. Okay, we're 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 resting at that, and they're like, yeah. they don't understand. Like, they said, "Oh, it's Josh Groban," but like, no, I I did the reference take for that, but I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was I was really the second I heard you were doing Berserk, like <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, like I hope they put this in the episode. <laughs> it was the first I had thing to wait I, till the entire end. But I, I put it on I put it on Facebook immediately. Yeah. That, like we we're going to do yeah. the do it as the theme song. Gary said it. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yep. Especially the, the, with the tone of that, the manga, they're like, we're really going berserk. Yeah, we can, <laughs> we can run in eight directions. Come on. Demons <laughs> raping <Yeah>. us, too. <laughs> like, it's just like, <laughs> it's very incongruous. Yeah. It's not It's not bad because it's just, it's about as incongruous as the theme song to the show. <laughs> I love that theme song. Well, I will it's tell, great. I will yeah. bear no. Tell me what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just does not fit with that show at all. Man, it's very weird. This you know? is true. But if you're going to go berserk, you ought to build a fleet, right? 
Indeed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Talk about shipbuilding. Yeah. And not the. Yeah, I mean, standard. In, in my opinion, this is where like the game really kind of takes off. I know. Cole, you love building the economy, and, and Gary, you probably just love being a research nerd. But, like, <laughs> building the fleet is is so much fun. Like, you get to pick what weapons you want to put on it, and then this is really where, since two of the three victory conditions are based on killing people, <laughs> like, I feel like this is where a really big important part of your strategy and your tactics come in. Like, uh, building ships can be you know just straight weapons ships or you can get into more uh complicated things where you're stealing other people's ships and then if you scrap them you have a chance to get technology from them yeah mm-hmm. which is another way to shore up your your technology woes mm-hmm. i never stole a ship um, i usually would just oh, blow them fun. i did it in yeah, one this... very unsuccessful game with the yoinkums race that you suggested to mm-hmm. us brayton um, yeah, you should was... say what the yoinkums are Yes, I think oh. we referenced them before without <laughs> mentioning what they are. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an old Jeremy Deedzik classic. Uh, it's uh, you're telepathic, um, and you have a spy bonus, and then you also take a ship defense negative. And if you want to, you go crazy and you can add charismatic. Um, and what that does is it just basically gives you an ability, a huge spy bonus, like in general, because you have the telepathic and the other spy bonus. And uh, and then with it you can mind control planets and things like that, which are really great. It's a it's a, a gimmick race built around stealing things. Yeah. That's yeah. The if, um, I, if I wasn't cut short by the Antarans, that would have actually been a really successful run. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I think there's some way. Maybe not. That's crazy. Never mind. <laughs> uh, but but you can uh, with your ships, uh, the, you can eventually learn how to make a tractor beam, which is great because it'll hold a ship in place, which makes it immobile. So you can transport troops over to it or you can build teleporters, which allows you to transport troops over there. And if you have things like uh, troop pods, uh, that doubles the number of Marines on your ship. And then also if you get with, I think, the neutron beams kill <laughs> Marines when you shoot at. Yeah, um, a ship. So, <laughs> by giving so them you cancer, can, <laughs> yeah, it just apparently shoots right through the <laughs> ship and kills. Mar- it finds the marines and it kills them, <laughs> like uh, the which makes it really easy to capture other ships. <laughs> yeah, you shoot a predator onto their ship okay, cool. through their hull. <laughs> <laughs> well, also the technology death ray kills marines as well yeah but that that's one of the orion techs right like right, death ray yeah. i think is a super mm. tech yeah yeah but yeah i i totally agree about the shipbuilding. like uh it's it's very fun the first game i just used generic ships and they are not as good and it is not not very cool even worse but than even that building... i'm sorry even worse than that like like using generic ships if you're researching stuff especially if you're creative and you're like i have no idea what kind of text i have it's crazy we have a surplus of text like if you're not like actively going in and installing those on your ships like mm-hmm. they don't uh, to, to, to my knowledge they don't show up they don't they don't yeah. make in they don't make good choices about them yeah i think that some of them will show yeah. up because like my my ships would start out with like say like um the speed booster mm-hmm. you know the fuel cells let them move a little bit faster things like that but they weren't informed decisions right yeah, but uh, I mean, your your ships get automatic upgrades. Like uh, when you get a new fuel cell, you don't have to change that. That auto- automatically goes mm-hmm. in the ship. Yeah, there's a new computer automatically goes in the ship. New engines automatically go in the ship. You don't have to worry about that. But like the automatic 
the like templates that they start with, none of them have battle pods. Ugh. And battle pods gives you yeah. like an additional 50 space points, if you will, to build. <laughs> it's so important. I mean, it, it slows down building the ship. It adds, you know, like a lot of time that you need to build the ship. But having that extra 50 space points is... I guess they're build points or whatever they're called, but um, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's like five missiles or mm-hmm. or, or yeah. It's it's important to note um, one thing that I didn't learn until recently is that um, it automatically puts the best version of certain things on the ships, but you can also change those if you want. So like I would mm-hmm. one of the the first uh, violent ship I make is like a missile cruiser, yeah. and I just give it you know tons of nuclear MIRVs, and it doesn't need a computer because the computer only changes beam weapon accuracy right it doesn't have anything to do with missiles um so i can get rid of that computer and make the ship a little bit cheaper and give myself a little space yep. um just like those little little neat things you can do like that that are kind of hidden yeah and your ships automatically have some bombs on them um so you don't have to really necessarily add more mm-hmm. bombs yeah. when you want to bomb a planet but i mean if you want to be really effective at it or also when you're attacking a planet um, the planetary defenses take the most damage from bombs in right. the like planet mm-hmm. attack screen. Yeah, I would always build a wrecking crew of like sp- like specific. Just this is just a bombing crew that is going to be escorted by you know missile and laser fighters. But uh, like the, they they were a class of ships that I dedicated towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you can make a small. If it's only doing one thing, you can use a smaller ship and use yep. more smaller space. You know, like a bombing ship could be one of those smaller classes of ship. Yeah, no problem. But it's but but it's mm-hmm. great to make those decisions because I mean almost it's not as permanent as, as the race decision because you can kind of you know change it on the fly. But like you have these five slots and just as you're trying to maximize and economize your 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 fleet design, like you you, you can do those kinds of specializations. And I found myself you know with legal pads full of like okay I need to have like five of these over here in this ship or in this uh, in, in in this system and like ten of these over here in this system and do I have enough transports and et cetera et cetera. Like just kind of right. like it, w- it wasn't just designing your ship; it's designing your fleet too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know each each ship. There's so many millions of options. Just I mean, you're allowed to place the guns in certain parts of the yeah. ship if you want them to fire yeah. behind you. Mm-hmm. You can get them to extended 180 degrees in the front or the back. They have their own like point defense options or you know heavy mount, which allows like they take up more space, but they lasers don't dissipate over distance yeah. you know uh it's just so so deep does this go <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's super super deep super 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 deep yeah um yeah and then, and then just like yeah all the upgrades and everything you can get and you get more of them um that miniaturization which we talked about before yeah. which is huge and it's kind of yeah, a hidden and, stat and kind of thing it's a it's a big deal because if you really max out one field of tech, like especially if you're doing lasers or hull or something like that, um, you can just keep getting more of that tech. And each each one after you finally finish building whatever is there is just like it'll just be like construction one, construction <laughs> two is what you're going for. Yeah. And each level of that like really increases the miniaturization until you get to like number seven, and then it's just like. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, you can just create like every ship is a Death Star or Doom Star, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Doom, Doom Star. Um, please, Doom Star. please. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. I was gonna say on Game Facts, that's a kind of a, a strategy. There's a, a guy who has like a fact that's like the one ship fact. 
like if you just want to have one ship in your in your fleet like this is how to make one ship that will just kind of destroy everything like one singular do unit it. or one type of ship one singular unit okay like you can make a doom star that is with enough research that is strong enough to take on the rest of the galaxy <laughs> oh um, yeah sure i've done that before huh yeah mm-hmm. yeah doom stars are great because i mean they're singularly the most boring because they don't they just look like circles but um <laughs> but also they have so much space and you get something like mega fluxers i think which doubles the amount of space you have and then you end up with like you know you just throw everything you can on it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah oh and <laughs> you get the my favorite which is the stellar converter which is a like, planetary defense beam that shoots a giant laser from your planet at ships. But you can also put it on your ships and then you can use it to yep. blow up planets. Yep. Blow up planets, <laughs> turn them into asteroid belts or nebulae. And then mm-hmm. and you just uh, you build a you, you figure out a way to turn that into a planet. And boom, you turn a toxic, a toxic planet into a Gaia in about, let's say, three decades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah i just like it's, it's so great because there's that little movie you get a movie for the every time you blow up a planet and really? it's a skippable but it's like yeah you you use a stellar converter you can totally destroy a planet and uh and there's a little movie a little window opens uh-huh. and your ship and then they like wheel the gun out and you can see it charging and they shoot <laughs> it at the planet and it just explodes and it's just so satisfying. Does that incur a diplomatic penalty? Because I can see people being really no. angry if you're no, <laughs> like it's not if you're running around with a literal wrecking ball. Like... <laughs> yeah, if you are destroying planets, it's not as bad as just killing the people on them. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, it's like we need more asteroids. I guess I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. So. And I think I think it's mostly because when at the at the point when you have that technology, everyone else doesn't want to like pipe like they don't want to speak up and be like, <laughs> no, don't do that. Because then you'll just be like, well, it's coming over towards you now. Well, now I know who the next target is. Now you done fucked up. Yeah. No, yeah. but um, so of of all the elements of the game that I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of in a game that I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of ship design mm. because that does have the most kind of moving parts to it, in my opinion, in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's real deep. Yeah. So when you're using those, we talked a little bit about this, just touch on some kind of like wrap up stuff that we didn't mention about combat. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we mostly mostly have that, but just kind of the, the flow of it. Um, you know, when you enter a system, um, if the uh, there are ships in that system, they'll automatically defend a planet with any planetary defenses mm-hmm. that are there. Um, if there are no planetary defenses, you can go and meet the ships and just fight them on their own as well um, through that screen and then you have to before you can do anything to the planet you have to take care of any of its defenses before you can bomb it or anything like that and planetary defenses can be uh, things on the planet that are you know missile bays or that planetary uh, laser that we were talking about (laughs) or it could be like a floating space station outside like a battle station or star base 
out there and they get you know better as you go i wish you could design your own battle stations yeah and and yeah. star bases i was really surprised that you can't um it seems like that's you know because they, they use the same kind of vocabulary as far as uh technology as ships for the for the most part and being able to design the weapons on those would be really useful i think so yeah. i was half hoping when i would said that that brayton would say yeah you can you just have to go to this screen <laughs> yeah. and i just wouldn't know as, yeah. as far as I know, you cannot. They just kind of do the try to get a little bit of everything mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which sometimes works out because you never know who you're going to face. And if it's someone who has, like, really heavy sh- hull, you'll want to shoot more missiles at them. And, you know, whatever. Yeah. Life, uh, is like a ga- <laughs> Life is like a galaxy of enemies. Yeah. You never yeah, know who you're useful to have them. Like, I would do, you know, I would, I would be shitty at defending a planet if I didn't have planetary defenses on their own, mm-hmm. usually. Like, that's huge. You get a huge defensive bonus. Like, you know, defending yeah. yourself is, is so much easier than, than attacking. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and getting the one technology, the warp interdictor, which is... Uh, oh, yeah. You only have, which is nice, because you only have to put it on one planet in the colony, and it basically makes the enemy take three more turns to get to you. Oh. Yep, slows it down so you can build things or get your fleet over there. That's banned in uh, multiplayer. Like, really? if you're playing... Oh, I uh, believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, as is diplomacy, <laughs> like, you know, uh, like making, you know, allying and everything like that in kind of competitive, serious Masters of Orion 2 multiplayer is, uh, is banned, which means every single race takes repulsive. <laughs> like yeah. it's like a free six bonus points to everybody. Okay. Uh, yeah. So no. it's Final Destination, no items, Fox only. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what Taking it is. Taking away like one of the most interesting ways to play the game. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense. Like, so people can't collude in advance. But like, could, like know, the like, collusion would be the like the most fun part of playing that with a bunch of people. Oh, I I think so. Yeah. But like, if you if you're serious about winning, it would be frustrating for like me and you to join like a community and be like, okay, we're gonna team up no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be frustrating for them. So it really, makes a sense, but I don't really care about other people. Yeah, I don't care about anyone. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I, meant other, I meant other people. So, like, you're here oh, okay. right now. So that's cool. Yeah. Like, anybody outside this call is other people. I love you, listeners. Um, but uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, so like, I, I, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't say that the combat is like square-based tactical combat. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's the, definitely a big grid. Yeah, the and the, uh, the 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 bigger your fleet, the longer these things are going to take. Yeah. So I had yeah. like some battles that lasted like a half an hour. Yeah, they they go for a long time, and that uh, if if I'm reasonably sure I'm going to win, I'm going to auto battle. Um, mostly because you kind of do your pre pro setting up your ships. Right. Like if you limit the the number of verbs that your ships can have, I can mm-hmm. be reasonably sure of what they're going to do when I hit auto battle. You know, they're not those jack-of-all-trades ships. They don't have to, you know, the, the person they're going to target is going to be different. And the computer does not always make the best decisions there. So I'd have right. to have kind of a better force to trust it. Mm-hmm. But it was nice just from a time management perspective because the battles are so slow Yeah. in this game. Like, I did yeah. I did plenty of full-time battles, too, but. Yeah, I don't remember what the tech is called. It's a late-game tech. It's in the power grouping, I think. Whatever grouping gives you um, more uh, engines and stuff. And it allows your um, allows your ships to shoot twice immediately, yeah. but then they have to take a turn off, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that really will speed up combat for you <laughs> if if you have that. Yeah. yeah, because you can usually if you're if you're designing your ships well and if you are, have a, a better force, you can kind of win in that first turn. Yeah. 
Yeah. So and it's it's nice if you have stealth ships, you can shoot twice and then cloak and then wait a turn <laughs> and uncloak and shoot twice again. It's real cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. Breaks the game. Mm-hmm. That showed up in a lot of guys I was looking at for like, you know, if you can, you absolutely cannot beat it on impossible mode at the hardest difficulty. You can you can cheese that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then planetary combat, like once you've actually broken the uh, the, the you know the defenses uh, and you know shot that in any fleets. Um, you kind of have this opportunity to either bomb from afar or try and do an invasion. And that's where your uh, ground marines from your transports um, come into play. And that's more mm-hmm. of a cutscene that you look at with just kind of some roles and some predetermined outcomes. Uh, watching your guys come in from the left, their guys come in from the right, and uh, seeing who uh, ends up alive. There's an interesting yep. little twist to this where, like, if the planet has a large population, they can get militia, militia members. Right. It's so like farmers can, you know, hammer their their plowshares into swords mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, join the fight, which is pretty neat. And adds like a little bit of a wild card factor. Right. To so, yeah. But like if I if I wasn't playing creative and I wasn't doing, you know, I wasn't having good luck in stealing and trading for tech, like I would never ground combat is always going to be like my, you know, not going to be a high priority. Like right. every time a ground combat thing was available for research it was always up against something that just seems so much better yeah like would i rather have robo miners or would i rather have battle suits yep well like duh you know a flat you know 10 production and plus two per per worker like of course i want that Mm -hmm. you know yeah and the battle suits are only for defense you can't even take the battleoids with you no wow yeah yeah so it's just some of the stuff like the the research tree you know when it forces you to specialize like it's not always balanced in a way, yeah. you know, like, I guess like, I, I kept, like, I was kind of ragging on it, but that choice between automated factories and missile bases is probably the most balanced because it, it hurts me to choose one or the other. Yeah. You know, they're both so good, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's just like, ah, you know, I can't really see myself using this, even though I would, if I was going to try to do everything. So that's why when I was playing, like I oftentimes would just bomb ships, mm-hmm. uh, or bomb planets rather, you know, so I missed out yeah. on that part of the game until I set out to specifically to yeah. try it. It's not that much of a part of the game, like like, no, like, no, like to me, it, like, feel, yeah. it feels like a it feels like an afterthought. Like it can be if like um you know you you really want to like that's how you're going to, to expand is take over other planets, mm-hmm. you know like there is a, a whole series it is an option like there's a whole series of texts that lend itself to it. Um, it's just very easy for me to do without them. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, of course, biological weapons are a no no. So yeah, I've never never used them. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. I th- they're fun to use if you if you're really feeling like playing that sort of game. Where uh, you know, because what happens when you use a biological weapon like a death spores or a uh, whatever the other one is, um, the all of the other enemies decide that they want to kill you, uh, and well, they'll either warn you first or they'll just go straight to war mode. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it can be kind of a challenge run, but also like the benefit of it is. Uh, you don't need that many transports. You only need one per planet. Um, and then you get all of their buildings. You don't have to rebuild anything afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And kind yeah. of finally, like the, the last note um, the, of things that we have experience with or, is uh, capturing Orion, which we talked about. Um, yeah. There'll be a planet on each galaxy that is the Orion homeworld that they left behind. Yeah. And it has a huge guardian ship usually towards the middle of the map as well mm. mm-hmm. yeah my big long um kind of main game that i played for this uh i, I decided to make capturing orion my my goal and i succeeded mm-hmm. 
and uh yeah it really does swing everything in your favor like like that was the that was the last big nudge i needed to get over the edge mm-hmm. yeah yeah any of those usually Gaia uh, planets like that's a big big win no matter what yeah yeah that's such a big deal in a pro pro tip for you guys uh right before you attack orion make sure you fire one of your uh ship commanders mm-hmm. because uh the guy that you get um i don't remember his name right Lock-Nar. now avenger or whatever Lochnar, yeah okay he flies the avenger yeah. uh is really really great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah let me see here I, I need to actually see what his uh what his stuff is and i can't see it so <laughs> Okay, Lochnar, the last Orion. He's got fighter pilot, galactic lore, which means you're going to be able to see everything in the in the galaxy. Helmsman, ordnance, right. and uh, weapons. So, like having him on the Avenger just means that thing will be the uh, the vanguard for all of your forces from now on. Right. Mm-hmm. Usually, I move him to like a Doomstar if I have one, because yeah. then he's just that much harder to kill. But yeah, uh, yeah. also he looks like a luchador. Yeah, <laughs> space luchador. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or femto, depending on how you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, he's 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 getting around. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. That there's this this big kind of treasure chest in the middle that's for grabs. Mm-hmm. Does the computer ever go after Orion? Yeah. Yeah, I've okay. seen the computer kill uh, Orion, but usually they. It's real late game because I mean it takes a lot to kill a guardian. Yeah, so I kind of feel like um, we in the intro we talked about the diplomatic victory and the Antaran victory, which we didn't. We you know we talked about what they are, but we neither of us had personal experience with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of Master of Orion. <laughs> kind um, of. Yeah, that, that's that's part of Master of Orion. Like, uh, there's a lot to this game, and I'm still learning. And now that there's this iOS yeah. like more or less version <laughs> of it, like it will be a continuous thing probably for the next few months until I get sick of it or I have to cut myself off. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it feels like there's – it speaks volumes that even 18 years later, this is considered to be the king of a genre that has, like, had so many, like, newcomers thrown at it. Like, mm-hmm. to, to, just just that there is so much more to it. Like, you know, we said at the beginning, but Braden, thank you for, for, for having us play this because I feel like I've been exposed to something I can, like, come back to and play semi-casually for, like, a long while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's kind of it gives you the opportunity. I don't know if I necessarily take it, but it's like those stories of people playing a civilization game for like twelve years or yeah. something like that, and it's just like in, it's entered into a, some sort of weird nightmare mode. But like this is something <laughs> you can play for an hour and then put it away and then come back and still not be horrified. And yeah, you know, if you come back a week later, you don't have to like catch yourself up to figure out where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very compulsive too. Like it, yeah. it is hard to put down. Like the games I played, I played in, in a single sitting, yeah. Um, which is part of the why mm-hmm. right, I probably only completed four games, you know, or so, um, because it was very much uh, like something I was like, oh, I don't really want to put this down. Like I want to see how it ends. Yeah. And I started watching that let's play that guy who is doing the tutorial, and I've been I've kept up with the let's play because even though he's not really doing a tutorial, and I know most of the stuff he's already talking about, I just kind of want to see how his individual story ends. Yeah. Like, uh, he's playing on a fairly high difficulty mode, and there's a lot of uh, kind of, dr- like, inherent drama mm-hmm. to it. He's having the worst luck with spies I've ever seen. Like, he's got, like, <laughs> he's got like you know, 20 spies in his bay, and he's just constantly having them. Like, I think that two of the computer opponents ended up getting spy leaders. Um, so they're just destroying him with that stuff, and it's just really fun to watch him do it. He also has a Canadian accent sometimes that sneaks in, and it's cute. 
but that'll be in the show notes um, yeah. if you are interested in checking that out. But like, it is just kind of like uh, you know, uh, like really addictive and compulsive, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Yeah, me too. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually, Brayden, you burned this onto a CD for me like in two thousand four or something like that, and gave it to me. And that's when I first played it. And I only played it for a little while. I didn't get into it. But I think I wasn't really... Because there, there is a learning curve to it. Like, there is kind of a barrier to entry just based on the complexity. And I don't think I... Yeah. You know, I kind of farted around with it, but I couldn't get past that. If you have a lot of experience with 4X games, it kind of plays well with that. But but there is kind of a... I mean, there, the, the GOG edition has a manual, but I don't know if anyone's ever looked at it. I have. I read it before mm-hmm. I played <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I, I definitely took a look at it because I felt so lost, <laughs> you know, before eventually, like I started looking at other resources online, like that were more, um, you know, actual example. Like I wanted to see what it looked like, yeah. like, oh, you know, I could read like, oh, just use the this tab and then select this. But I wanted to, you know, watch a mouse actually move over those things. Yeah, that helped. But I, the, the nice thing about the show was kind of being forced into and that's happened several times in, with Watch Out Fireballs where like something where I initially would pick it up and maybe put it down you know, is too much, uh, just kind of like too far outside my comfort zone or too much work to actually get into and, uh, having to push past that to, yeah. uh, to kind of get to the, the actual delicious middle mm-hmm. of a, of a game like this yeah. is I'll, really uh, satisfying. I'll echo that sentiment and echo yeah. my sentiment from earlier, which is like that whole system and economy building thing that I've really appreciated in other games like Civ and, uh, you know, Sim City, like having that plus this kind of like real strategical combat, um, is is something I'm very happy I've discovered. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I wonder if uh, how much is there like so? What, Brain? You're a fan of the genre, like you you like Forex games, sure. Um, what do you when you pick up like other ones? Like, what are the little differentiating things that make you choose one? Like, it almost seems like the kind of genre. Like, if you're into it, and because it's a perpetual game, you could just kind of choose yeah. one. It's like, well, I play this, and I just kind of play that. But you you try out new yeah. ones as they come along. Like, what what makes you yeah. pick a new one to stick with? One of the one of like endless space. The first thing that drew me into it is that um, I don't I don't know much about the story, but like <laughs> there's this one race called the Horatio, mm. and the Horatio is basically uh, one guy who is like a model or something, uh, like a model diplomat type character, very charismatic. He ended up upon coming across this endless. Endless is like a race in this case. There's endless technology that allowed him to clone, like mass clone himself. So he ended up making an entire an entire race of himself called the Horatio. And I was like, that's really hilarious. And I want to play that game where that thing yeah. exists. Would you say the galaxy so, knows him well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's fun to play said, it. Yeah, and, then... and each time you were more disappointed. <laughs> and then you know with that you can you can make all sorts of like great jokes about um you know uh, horatio kane from my you know csi miami yeah. while you're playing it if you want um but yeah it, it it really is kind of because the the mechanics are basically the same you know more or less like you know the basic concept of the game it's it's got to be the bells and whistles that really kind of pull me in yeah yeah I see Endless Space like, on like, sale on Steam a lot. I might actually end up picking it Endless, up. Endless Space is fun, and like the combat, the ship combat is a is a lot more um, rock paper scissors based. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like it's there's a card game element to it, and I don't want to 
make it seem like it's too big of a deal, but it's like <laughs> you basically can play these power cards during each of the phases of battle, and those give you certain bonuses or can counter other people's cards or can be countered. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and the the ships are very much like missiles are for long range, beams are for medium range, and guns are for short range or kinetic weapons, and like anything in between. Um, there's, I mean, they just don't work like very well, uh, mm. in any other phase. And there's the three phases of the, of the combat and it's all automated. There's yeah. no tactical combat that I know of. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's like that part of it really kind of bugs me because I, it's until you get good at understanding what abilities are best for the fleet that you have. And then you have to build your ships to kind of be good automated um you know like then then it's fine and there's a lot of other like really interesting aspects to it but that's like one of the things that combat kind of bugs me a little bit yeah mm. yeah i do it i think that we pretty much wrapped it up that another like kind of weird episode like our heroes of might and magic three one mm-hmm. um but hopefully everybody who's listening liked it mm-hmm. you know if you like seeing us go out of our comfort zone let us know yeah um you monsters <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> Definitely pick up the game because it's on when it's on GOG, it's on it's on sale for like five bucks, and yep. you get that and Moo One. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely buy Master Ryan too. Yep. Like, holy shit, like it, <laughs> it's, it's very fun. Like, yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah, this gets a thumbs up. So yeah, that was Master of Orion 2, or at least a uh, a nice vertical slice of it. I'm sure that there are many areas where uh, I personally, maybe maybe the others, have said things that are patently incorrect. But uh, you know, we welcome those right there. And uh, mm-hmm. if you are new to the game and this has piqued your interest, go play it. Do it. Mm-hmm. You dummy. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. By way of admin, um, what are we doing next, Cole? The next episode, we are going to be playing The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past which uh, mm-hmm. I, I I can't express my excitement over enough. Yeah. That's yeah, I, I've already I love that started game. playing. Yeah. And I can't Super wait good. to join you guys for that episode, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, well, to do so, you're going to have to fight Brad. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, another Kickstarter backer. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm playing it on my little emulation machine, and uh, it is it is something approaching a perfect game. So this episode yeah. is either going to be your favorite, or it's going to be really boring, as we all agree loudly for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> three three white men agreeing about video games yep. the podcast um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is the pilot episode of that and the next episode will be episode two of three white men agreeing about video games yeah. um, <laughs> um oh, man. yeah looking forward to that mm-hmm. after that we are doing um the third in our wolf series which are modern games that we're touching base on mm-hmm. and uh we're doing deadly premonition yeah. We joined again. This is our, our guest. The guest streak. Stretch. Yeah. <laughs> um, we will be joined again by uh, Bob Mackey. Yeah. From Retronauts. Yeah. Um, not joined again, Ooh. but he's been on our, he's been on Bonfire Side Chat, but he's yes. not been on Watch Out for Fireballs. Yes. Friend of the network. Uh, yeah. Friend of the network. Yeah. Um, yeah. So looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. That is a, that is a fun game. I wouldn't say a good game, but um, I think that there is, it, it is a, it is a delight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very curious about it. Me too. I'm curious to see how you're going to react to it. 
Me too. <laughs> um, Dude, we had so many wins in the past. Like, let's let's really get a, a real loss where I'm scrappy and I'm against you guys who love it. <laughs> well, I look forward so, to joining you for that as well. Uh, we have already, <laughs> we, we have already talked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> One of these times, Raiden. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what do we what do we have are we announcing what's next uh yeah why not yeah let's do it <laughs> after that is going to be um blade runner for the pc yeah 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 the the old westwood uh one of the most obscure games we've done yeah like this game was released a little fanfare and uh you know is is very difficult to get a hold of now by legal means mm-hmm. um but you can google it uh do you and, know what edition of the movie this is based off of? Is it, is it the original, the director's cut, the second director's cut, or the ultimate edition? <laughs> I uh, think this would have been yeah. around the time of the first director's cut. Yeah, ultimate director, hyper fighting edition director's cut. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is, uh, but it's it's not based on the movie. Nope. It's actually kind of like a side story, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, and it and it it's very neat. Like it's a cool game. Um, we'll also be joined on that episode. <laughs> So um, hopefully you like these guest episodes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, then we'll take a little break where it's just me and Cole. Yep. Um, we'll be joined by uh, my friend Eric, who is also a Kickstarter backer, and suggested that game. I'm very happy he did because mm-hmm. um, I hadn't played it in years, and it was very nice to revisit. Wait, is this the same Eric that suggested Cool World? Nope. Uh, no. <laughs> different, different Eric. Um, <laughs> this is the Eric that can go fun himself. The Eric that suggested Cool World can go fuck himself. That's how you keep <laughs> yeah. him straight. Is he funning or is he fucking? That's how you know. That's, um, that's how you know. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. That's And then we've got other cool, fun stuff planned. Yep. Um, right then. The uh, Speaking of other shows, you know, Bonfire Side Chat, right around when that Blade Runner episode is when Dark Souls 2 comes out. Mm-hmm. Dark Souls, Bonfire Side Chat. Hey. Segway, segway, segway. <laughs> um, that's another show on the network you should listen to. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. pretty good. Like it a lot. If you like the Souls games, um, go back and listen. You know to all those and this new one. I don't know. Like like Dark Souls two. Like there's like this pre and post mentality where <laughs> right now we're so in the run up to that that um, yeah. every like it seems like this weird thing. And I'm I'm worried that when I cross this threshold, it's going to be like oh I never planned for what's going to happen after this. So- yeah, I'm worried <laughs> about postpartum depression. Like, like I feel like that's <laughs> that's what's most likely going to happen to me. <laughs> like, It'd be very thrilling and exciting. I'm just while like it's I, happening. I, I'm cutting out so much of my life to deal with it, and then like once that once that hole is there, <laughs> and it's no longer filled that, by yeah. You know. That's a that's a true thing that <laughs> happens. Like uh, when I uh, got married back in the day, and we all know how that worked out. The uh, but when I got mm. married back in the day, like it was a you, know, you spend like a year planning for it, mm-hmm. and it's this big huge event, and then afterwards there is a kind of a feeling of emptiness that comes. So <sighs> I'm gonna stop before we become goons. Text. <laughs> and say that Dark Souls 2 is like being married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in some states, you'll be able to get married to it. Oh, thanks yeah. to, uh, thanks our to Obama. President. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. As an ordained minister, I can facilitate. Universal life church. Of us. Yeah. All three of us can get married to Dark oh, Souls yeah. 2 um, on the podcast. And in fact, yeah. anyone listening at the time, I'm pretty sure it just sends out a marriage wave. Yeah. And anyone listening at the time will become married to Dark Souls 2 as well. Yeah. And then, about the divorce rusher I am, so I can't be married yeah. to her. <laughs> divorce rusher is is that like the version of uh, what was that Eminem song where he was like talking about killing his wife? Yeah, that died yeah, with, with uh, Justin RPGs yeah. with Rusher Ram. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, huh. 
Two legendary Pokemon are on the outside. They're on the outside. They're on the outside. <laughs> there we go. It's in the notes now. Um, but yeah. so, um, if, you, if you like this episode, um, and if you like just good stuff in general, check out Abject Suffering. The most recent episode mm-hmm. is about Cool World, and uh, mm-hmm. Brayton joined us for that. Indeed. I did, yeah. and I look forward to joining you next week. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, speaking of Brayton joining us yeah. again on the subject of Brayton, um, who has been on an episode of Bonfireside Chat, so it's not totally unbrayton. Yeah. And then more Brayton can be found at the pitch. Yeah. Um, if you listen to the beginning of this episode and thought, "What are these idiots doing?" This doesn't make any fucking <laughs> sense. It is us being yeah. insular and cross-referency. Yep. So we we burned it. It's been several years. People yeah. Know. Yeah. And yeah. you should listen to the pitch. Yeah, you should. Um, is me and Brayton's uh, innovation show. Yeah. And it's very fun. It is roughly 57 episodes of very, very funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, our final wrap up episode will be coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Until unless we started season two in space. <laughs> um, let's start a season two where we just invent all the things for Masters of Orion 2. And we're just pitching like, you know, iridium fuel cell. <laughs> I was going to suggest that we just pitch the same things we pitched in season one we just had the word space (laughs) or galactic in front of it space pizza panties Um, (laughs) no it's pizza space panties duh okay the gemini nebula (laughs) very good yeah (laughs) so um other stuff on the network there is just way too much for you to listen to um but uh Gary's got a show kind of winding down. It's pilot season. Um, it's been a little bit, mm-hmm. but it also, like the pitch, is evergreen. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Um, there's a show called The Level, which is a video game roundtable show with Cole and his buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, you should definitely check that out. And there's Damn Ross Kids, which is a show featuring Cole, Chris Ross, and Brayden Cameron, <laughs> where Chris Ross and Brayden make fun of Cole. Yep. That's not true. Brayden's not on that. <laughs> um, but I'm it is a... Spirit, uh, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is a dressing down of Cole podcast. Um, based around loosely around weird news stories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm fairly certain some of those news stories were about me. So I <laughs> yeah. was. On You're just going show. around on some kind of rampage, getting getting in local newspapers, so we surface <laughs> stories about you. <laughs> it seems like an awful long length to go to to get into our show, Brayton. <laughs> yeah, Cole, my ego knows no bounds. Oh. Hmm. And then there's ratings and reviews. Ratings, reviews. And tip jar and store. Tip jar, store. Hexcrank. Yeah. Yep. Hexcrank. Yep. Crank, Facebook. Cool. It's been a very long episode. All the things. Indeed. And you did the most important thing, which was listening and telling a friend. You did that, right? Indeed. We'll just assume that you have. If not, (laughs) we declare war. Um, Yeah. So I think that's probably wrapping us up. I believe so. uh, Yeah. yeah, Bra- Brayden, do you have anything going on right now that you want to pit or that you want to plug? Uh, I still am doing currently your... currently learning how to do woodworking. So if anyone <laughs> oh. needs uh, a very small piece of woodworking done, I will add it to my list and it will be done by summer. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll forward those to you and you need to be willing to fulfill yeah. those. Just, just go to duckfeed.tv forward slash contact and choose woodworking from the pull down. <laughs> And submit your request. Um, no, I, that's really it. I do that. I uh, occasionally it's slowed down a lot, but I, I occasionally was doing the comedy news bit on um, the Booked podcast, which is a book review podcast, um, mm-hmm. where I was playing Skip Papersley, a 
a, a 1940s newsman who got trapped in ice while trying to get a feature story on Hitler and has recently been thought out. <laughs> a feature story on ice. <laughs> He's a method journalist. <laughs> now, would you say that you're cold? <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, Hannah, say you're other. What the cause are against us? <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so what should they watch out for? They should watch out for Kronos, the ancient spa- spacefarer. So, Gary, one of the things I forgot that I wanted to do was to, uh, hopefully for the extra sound, if you'll allow it, to uh, do my impersonation of the ending movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's such a, like, hilarious sort of. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. I was going to bring up the, the narrations that you get. Because I got yeah. I, I, I specifically threw a game in order to, uh, to see the, the losing one, too. And the losing one's yeah. really great. The power of the ancients is now yours to command. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That is very good. Yeah. <laughs> Do it again. The power of the ancients is now yours to command. You have crushed all opposition under your heel. You rule the greatest empire in history. Its soldiers' bravery is at your command. Your army is undefeatable. Your fleets control the sky of every planet in the galaxy. This galaxy. (laughs) But other challenges await the master of Orion. (laughs) (laughs) Your soldiers' bravery. (laughs) I I love his his little twang. (laughs) Yeah. He's a yeah. little bit from the south of space. 